You're good. I'm good? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to clap one more time. Okay. Okay. Hey, Laura. Oh, my God. That was terrifying. (laughs) Okay. I was like, hey, Laura. (laughs) It's really getting in the mood. (laughs) Scary movie we're about to talk about. Ah, okay. This week, we are going to be talking about Fear, the 1996 thriller starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. Who is... Not a lovely human being. He's really not. We're going to talk about him. But we sure are. We're really going to talk about fear. So I've been trying to get you to watch fear. I know you did watch it. Yeah. I recommended it to you quite some time ago and you watched it around like Halloween of last year, I think. Yeah. So I was sick with, not with COVID, with some random stomach bug around Halloween time last year. And of course, like no one was really doing anything anyway. Yeah. Or it wasn't 2021. It was 2020. Oh, so major like pandemic. Yeah. Okay. So in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, you recommended this to me and I was already on like a thriller binge during Halloween week. So I just popped this on and uh, I don't think I paid enough attention because as I was watching it this time, I was like, holy shit, I missed like the whole movie. Yeah, so, it's easy to do. It's an easy watch if you want to throw it on in the background, but then you're like, wait, what's going on? And there is a lot of detail. So much happened. So much happens. I know when you assigned me because we did it slightly differently this time than our past episodes, like my block, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be very much. And when I kept pausing, I was like, how much more is going to happen minute to minute? It is packed, like packed. It's a packed agenda. There's so much going on. So if you haven't seen the movie, no worries. We're going to be your eyes and ears, giving you a play by play of all the actions. So you feel like you're there. Just think of it as 90s folklore. Yes. So excited to get into things. Let's first start by having Laura tell us about 1996. I'm so excited to hear what happened that year. So much happened that year. We're not going to do all of the facts because we'll do another movie that happened in 1996, but there's a ton. I picked a few. Let's get into it. So Dolly the Clone Sheep, she was born on July 5th in 1996. She was named after singer Dolly Parton because her DNA came from a mammary. How do you say that? Mammary? Mammary. (laughs) Mammary gland. That's a hard word for me. It is hard, actually. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. So mammary gland. Um, So I don't, I kind of hate that, actually. I have never heard of this sheep. What? Yeah, I've never heard of this sheep. Was this something I was supposed to know? Yeah, it's Dolly. Well, I mean, I know Dolly Parton. She was the first cloned mammal. Shit. It was a big deal. I, yeah, she's the sheep. It was she's probably on cable, and I, like, missed the ad. Okay, I don't know. Okay, yeah, it was it was a big deal. Wow, okay. And she was named after Dolly Parton. Didn't know that. That is a very strange reason to name yeah, it's like an animal after boobs, Dolly Parton. Boobs, really? Like, okay. Oh, boobs were everywhere in the 90s. It was such a boob decade. It was a boob-heavy decade yeah um nintendo 64 and tamagotchi were released of which i was both a major fan yep i loved my tamagotchi um i they always died but really really loved them they were so much fun were they like gigapets yeah kind of i think i never had a tamagotchi but i had a gigapet is a gigapet like was it a little yeah like a little electronic little baby thing and you Mm -hmm. had to keep it alive yeah it's like a well these were animals okay tamagotchi but yeah yeah and I also had an N64 and used to play a lot of video games because that was the only thing that my, for some reason, my mom let us play video games, but not watch That's interesting. TV. But we were only able to do like an hour of video games a day. So. Okay. What video games? 
We did some 007. Oh, I love Everyone 007. always assumes that we did Goldeneye, but actually we did not, even though everyone thinks that's the cooler one. We did The World Is Not Enough, which oh, I, have I Goldeneye. was obsessed with. And then Perfect Dark, uh, Jet Force Gemini, a bunch of other retro games. They weren't retro at the time, but now they're yeah. retro. And I've actually replayed them and like beat them since then because I felt like I needed to go back in time and relive. Oh, fun. Yeah, I loved Goldeneye. That what about you? What it, so you played Goldeneye? Yeah. That was really my favorite game. Like, I loved it. Those characters were super cool. I was always odd job. Um, the top song was Don't Speak by No <gasps> Doubt. Oh I know. Gosh. And Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little oh. Pill was the best-selling album. This is a very Elena year. Oh, my gosh. And Wannabe was released by the Spice Girls. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this year now. It was okay. a great year for music. I loved No Doubt and also loved Alanis Morissette and Jagged Little Pill might be like one of the like most essential albums of all time yeah when I was looking at like how many record sales this did versus other popular albums this was like above and beyond like it was seven million copies or something like that where whereas I think the next one was maybe four so it really like outperformed everything else have you watched the new Alanis documentary called I, I haven't called Jagged or something? I've, I've heard something about her not wanting to continue it like halfway through. Is that true or something oh, like that? Oh, I didn't hear that. Maybe that's a but lie. But I did watch it and it def- definitely brought me back. I could see her maybe like, it's just all sensitive. Like yeah, being yeah. a woman during that time period and mm-hmm. like kind of blowing up and getting famous. I feel like. It Is was that the funny. album that's about Dave Coulier from Full House? Um... They didn't talk about that. I didn't know that. Hold on. I got to look this up. Okay. Maybe that is correct. Because that was always shocking to me because it's like, that's Uncle Joey. Yeah. I think you might be right. You Ought to Know was maybe about him. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, the top movies included Independence Day, Twister, and Mission Impossible. Okay. I loved Mission Impossible. That was actually another one I had on the N64 as a game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and then less fun facts. They're not fun at all. There was two really big deaths in 1996 that okay. made headlines. So one being Tupac. Oh Tupac's murder in Las Vegas on September 7th, 1996. Uh, it was after the Mike Tyson-Bruce Selden boxing match. Tupac and his entourage were captured on tape in the lobby. You can actually see the tape of the, um, in the MGM Grand Hotel fighting with a man who was later identified as a member of the L.A.-based Crips gang. And then hours later, he was riding as a passenger in a car driven by Death Row Records head Shug Knight when a white Cadillac pulled up alongside them at a stoplight on Flamingo Road and opened fire. At least 12 shots were fired, four of which struck Tupac and one which grazed the head of Shug Knight. Um, I didn't realize this, but emergency surgery saved Tupac's life that night. So he actually, it looked, doctors were thinking he was going to potentially recover. He looked like he was improving. And then tragically, on September 13th is when he actually passed away in the hospital. He died of his wounds, and he was only 25 years old. This is shocking to hear now, because I think at the time, I mean, 25 years old. It sounded old. It sounded old. Now I can't believe he was. He was a baby. So he was younger than we are by far. Yeah. That's crazy. And also, I did not know that that it didn't kill him. Yeah, I had had made an assumption that, and although I've read up on this, like, I don't know why I, I, I kind of like. Uh, grazed over those details but yeah that he ended up dying of his wounds later on wow yeah Yeah. I had a my one of my closest friends um was obsessed with Tupac in high school like she just had Tupac posters plastered everywhere she Mm -hmm. was listening to him constantly when we were driving she was part of that group of people that like thought he was still alive and that he just like wanted to like 
fly off the radar and just have no one know about him. But I that think would be nice. There are so many theories surrounding his death, including some wild conspiracy theories like that one. Um, it's still officially unsolved, though that depends on who you ask. Yeah. Uh, but about like once a quarter, I go down a deep dive of do you really like a Reddit rabbit hole of him and Biggie Smalls' deaths, like okay. yeah. just what happened, like. So, again, I don't know how I'm, like, ignoring some of these very pertinent details in these deep dives that I'm doing. But, yeah, it was extremely, extremely tragic. I mean, just such a loss. And um, the there were a ton of witnesses, but it's a very, like, not spoken about <laughs> murder. Yeah. And, yeah, a t- a just a ton of conspiracy theory. So we could spend an entire hours and hours going over this yes, but i would kind of like to return to this at some point maybe we'll do a follow-up in another 1996 yeah movie because dig deeper into the details there's here. definitely a lot we've barely even skimmed the surface yeah he was pretty epic and same with this next very tragic death john benet ramsey oh my god so most people know about the death of john benet ramsey no she one was, more than laura oh god i know she was an american child beauty queen who was killed on december 25th or 26th it's like contested at the age of six in her family's home in Boulder, Colorado. A long handwritten ransom note was found in the home. Her father, John, found John Benet's body in the basement of uh, their house about seven hours after she was reported missing. She had disdained a, sustained a broken skull from a blow to the head and had been strangled. A garrote was found tied around her neck. What's a garrote? It's like a. Um, I think normally it's like a wire. I don't know what it was in the case of John Benet, but it's mm-hmm. something that's like tied around. Their, oh, your neck so and, and twisted in a specific way it's very very disturbing the autopsy reports stated that john benet's official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma Yikes. the crime is still technically unsolved and remains an open investigation with the boulder police department so as elena said i have consumed every piece of media out there on this case um, i do think that burke did it her brother did it and that the parents covered it up because the ransom note is just too insane. I actually, when we were looking, like doing the research for this episode, I Googled the ransom note and you can read the entire thing online. And it's just, it's so long. It's so insane. It makes no sense. <laughs> There's I've no read it way. before too, because I don't know if you remember this, but maybe like four or five years ago, we went, we watched the John Bonet story or whatever the Netflix series was oh, yeah. that came out. Mm-hmm. And we were at your house. I do remember that. We were with our friend Jordan. Yes. And you had, back when you had your TV up on My the My little TV, yeah. yeah. little baby TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so then I kind of got into it and started like looking at the ransom note and things like that. So I remember what a crazy yeah. case. And then my dad actually lives really close to that house oh, in Boulder. Right. So I drove by it once. Yeah, it's, it's one of those cases. I mean... Obviously, I am very much not alone in this. That's why there's constantly, it feels like every year there's some new documentary something yep. about Jean Benet. But um, if I could find out one secret, it would just be to be like, what really happened in the house that night? It drives me insane, as does obviously many, many people. And that's why there's so much yeah. lore and everything. I also feel that way, but about Adnan. So of yeah. course, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like if I could find or solve one mystery, it would mm-hmm. be what happened, which apparently yeah. new hopefully. DNA research will hopefully show that he Yeah, it's about time. Can be exonerated. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're gonna do a quick uh castless roll call for fear. So Reese Witherspoon, which by the way, her real name is Laura Jean Reese Witherspoon. I did not remember that. And my name is Laura You're Laura Jean. Jean. Yeah. So it's what? spelled slightly differently, but yes. Yeah, she has the N N N E. Yes. So Jean. we have her as Nicole Walker, William Peterson as Stephen Walker, Amy Brenneman as Laura Walker, 
Alyssa Milano as Marco Massey, Mark Wahlberg as David McCall, uh, Christopher Gray as Toby. Toby doesn't get a last name. I know. Todd Caldicott as Gary Romer. So those we've got some other cast members, but these are our main players. These are the most important ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Fear Starts. We open up on a scene like bird's eye view of Seattle. It's 1996, so it takes place in that same year. And there is very heavy drums, uh, almost yeah. like sounds like tribal drums or something, over a very 90s melody. So I was like, cool, we're, we're in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you can tell it's Seattle. They continue to focus on the Space Needle throughout the, the movie. It's like constantly, hey, this is Seattle. And then we zoom in on a lake house that's like beautiful with a pool. Obviously, we're thinking like, okay, these people are rich, right? Yeah, super they have wealthy. To be. Gated community. Yes, and it is gated. Um, and the kind of first person that we see is Reese Witherspoon, AKA Nicole Walker. And she is in the shower with steam just everywhere. She looks so like young and fresh faced with like no makeup on. Um, and we hear her stepmom yell from downstairs, save some hot water for your dad. Mm -hmm. And that just makes you think of like being in high school and having to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we hear more like crazy sounding drums and we start to see um, Reese's dad, who is named Steve or Mr. Walker, as I'll refer to him probably most of the time, sprinting through the forest so fast. He looks like he's in very good shape. He also looks very like young to be a dad, but maybe that was just me, maybe because my dad was like definitely 60 when I was growing up. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if I would have seen him do that. Uh, and then he kind of goes by the, the gated, uh, secure, the security guard. And you can tell he has a really good relationship with the security guard because he calls him Larry and he's friendly with him. And then he gets home to the same, to the lake house. So you can tell he's the dad of the family and the German shepherd comes to greet him. And obviously I'm immediately sad because I know what's going to happen to this German shepherd. Um, but they both race to get the newspaper. It's this like all American family kind of moment where it's like the dad races to get the newspaper as the German shepherd also does. And then they like embrace and it's adorable. Uh, the German shepherd's name is Kaiser. And the dad does say, I've eaten meaner dogs than you for breakfast. Yeah. You wimp to the dog, which I think they're immediately supposed to know Kaiser's a softie, even though he's a yep. German shepherd, he's a little sweetie, but weird line, dad, what are you eating dogs for breakfast for? But whatever. It's kind of like from the very beginning of this movie, they're trying to assert his sort of feeling of dominance and mm-hmm. like manliness. Yeah. Masculinity for sure. Yes. Uh, so then we're in the kitchen and we meet Laura Walker, who is his wife. Uh, we don't really yet know at the time, like, is she Nicole's mom? Like, what's the deal with her? Um, and I noted her immediately because I was like, who is she? She looks so familiar. So I was racking my brain immediately and I was like, oh my God, she's the hot mom from Casper. Casper. Mm-hmm. She's That's where Casper. I knew her from too, yeah. She's like the hot angel mom yeah. who has like wings. Yep. Um, she's beautiful. She's she's truly I very nice hair. and beautiful. I love her like curly, curly hair. hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's in the kitchen with um, Mr. Walker and they're talking about the tickets they have to go see James Taylor's show with the whole family. I think later that night or the next day. And uh, then Nicole slash Reese comes into the kitchen in a very short dress. And this is like the first interaction between Steve Walker, the dad, and Nicole, the daughter. And it is very classic and also of the times where he's like, hey, you need to get some new clothes. Uh, Like basically saying that they look too small on her. And 
his wife, Laura, who is going to, it's just going to keep confusing me that her name's I know. Laura. I'm just going to call her Mrs. Walker. Is that okay? okay? Are we going to call her Mrs. Walker? Okay. Uh, she's like, no, those are new clothes. Like basically asserting that like those clothes are, they should be fitting her. They're the ones that they just bought. And he takes his glasses off in this very judgmental dad look. And he's like, looks like something you wore when you were 12. And then Nicole's like, so what? And they have this like classic tense bickering session here. Uh, it's very weird. It, t- it turns into like a weird conversation where Reese says, am I allowed to go to school now, father? And he says, have a nice day, Nicole. And it's like they're really trying to like beat it into us that like they have this sort of like classic protective, overprotective dad with a daughter who like hates him or doesn't understand him and he doesn't understand her. And then you have like the mom figure who may or may not actually be her real mom who's just sort of mediating. Yep. So then the little brother, Toby, who is like – for Toby. Honestly, yes oh my gosh throughout this entire movie but yeah <sighs> toby and then i saw his real or his full name in the movie is actually tobias but no one i think they call him tobias one time toby gets no character development but toby is just like a sad little boy well, the first thing that he says here is like something about the dad missing his game yep. and that his real dad his real dad was like hitting on girls whatever yep. who's more interested in hitting on girls yeah so we now kind of learn that um steve walker is nicole's dad but he's not toby's real dad yeah, so we've got a blended family yes so we have like this mixed family and i also am bad at guessing the ages of children and so i was like i don't know toby could be seven he could be 10 he could be 12 like oh my I don't, gosh do we not know i have no idea i have no idea he i would i think he's about nine okay he's in the age range that i was thinking then he's quite young yeah so he blows this whistle. So we learn that he has this whistle that like calls to Kaiser the dog. Mm-hmm. And when he whistles, he does it a couple times. Kaiser the dog pops through this little dog door, um, which will come back into play later. So then we find out that Steve has a job, a busy job. We don't know exactly what it is. We never find out exactly what his job is. It might be like advertising, marketing, businessy things sales we don't know it's my favorite thing in 90s movies where there's a vague important job yeah there's some like screen renderings of things like at some point we see like yeah this is it and it's like a building that like he's he's drawn up on his computer on microsoft paint yeah he's clearly someone who has like a six-figure job he's he's wearing sunglasses inside he's he's talking he's walking he's doing business deals yeah classic rich all-american dad Mm -hmm. who works a lot so we see him at his job in this office, and uh, we get introduced to his coworker Eddie, and they're just talking about some project that went to the quote-unquote bad guys last night. Uh, and it sounds like Steve has to do some extra work because of that. And then finally, we get a shot of the high school. Nicole slash Reese is in front of the high school with her friend Gary. Love Gary. I love Gary. And she's talking about going to – it was kind of unclear what they were actually talking about at the time, but w- what we find out is that they were going to, like – a weird coffee shop slash bar. I have, I have troubles with this coffee yeah. shop. Why is it, why is it what it is? I don't know. It's I, a, I kept a, saying like party event co- bar coffee, coffee shop? shop. Yeah. I didn't have a coffee shop like that I was trying to like get a clear read on what it was. And then I was like looking up if it was a real coffee shop in Seattle at the time. It was called time. the Largo, The Largo, right? yeah. Because like the Largo is a place in LA. So I was like, oh, uh, uh, is this a thing? 
I don't get it. Because once they get there, there's smoking going on inside. There's partying. Yep. There's pool. But yet they're ordering turkey pesto sandwiches. And chocolate cake. chocolate cake. And then there's like the coffee syrups like next to them. So anyway, this I agree. This place is very confusing to me. It's confounding. It's a coffee shop. But it is also like a major place to hang out. I know. I was kind of like... I would like that. I would have liked that. Like, what? That didn't exist in any of our hometowns. Yeah. What is this weird it amalgamation was... of this? It's so weird. So, yeah. The, and I think the kind of exposition or dialogue that happens leading up to them going is Gary and Nicole are talking about uh, going to the Largo. Like, we're supposed to see that Nicole's kind of like a goody-goody because she's saying, like, we shouldn't even be doing this. Um, we're just going to have to turn around by the time we get there. She's worried about making it to like English lit on time or something yeah, she like keeps, that. When they're ordering, she's like, to go. We'll get it to go. Because yes. she so wants to get out of there. They just keep reiterating like she is a rules person by the yeah, book. She's the good girl. She's the good girl. Uh, and then we meet Margot. And Margot is Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. She's very cool and very very beautiful. Um, anytime I see her in something, I'm like, she is so pretty. And very 90s, like she's got like the little 90s like ponytail with the like baby hairs coming down and stuff. Anyway, she had gone with them to the weird coffee shop slash bar and we can immediately tell she's the bad girl. Like she's kind of talking about how some teacher had to stare at her boobs for 10 minutes before he decided to give her an extension. Um, And then when like Reese slash Nicole is talking about all of the – or she's talking about how she's stressed about missing – English lit, uh, Alyssa Milano's character says, what are you going to remember five years from now? Being on time for English lit or having a life? So it's not bad advice, but it's not. But then when we find out about her kind of actions, sometimes it's a little questionable. So they both have their pros yeah. and cons and the way that they Yeah, she's definitely to meant to be like the dark to Nicole's light, though. Yep. She's, she's And it's like the blonde and the brunette. Right. Like. It's very classic. Ugh, yeah. Yep. And uh, Margot's smoking. Reese looks a little out of place in this coffee shop, kind of like looking around nervously. And then some really gross, long-haired grunge dude, who we later learn's name is Logan. He's playing pool, smoking in this like loft area or mm-hmm. like whatever and is upstairs. And yet again, this coffee bar, what? coffee slash bar slash club slash pool place, whatever. Yes, it's all very confusing. And Margot is like immediately fawning over him. Right. And he's so ugly. He's Can so we spend one moment on this not making any sense? Doesn't make any sense. He's old. And not yep. just old as in, like, Mark Wahlberg is old to Reese Witherspoon's mm-hmm. young. He's legitimately, he looks 40 immediately from yeah the get. And he's so greasy. He's a, he's he's gross. He's, he's not grimy. Like, he's not, like, rock star cute even. He's not, like, I know they're trying to do a grunge thing because this is, like, Seattle. This was, I think this was the year after Kurt Cobain committed suicide. Mm, and this know. was a very popular, like, seattle grunge scene sort of thing i guess maybe that's why they're doing the coffee shop thing as well that's like you know yeah um i think they tried to do that a bit too hard with this character because he makes no sense he's not attractive he's okay i I think we've we've established that he is he's just gross he's grimy and gross gross. yeah you can barely see his face um and of what you can see of his face because his like beard and his hair yeah long greasy hair he's wearing like a black leather duster he looks the uniform of like gross under a bridge like i don't know doesn't make any sense, but she's like, oh, my God. And she's, like, fawning over him immediately. And then Nicole makes fun of her for being obvious. Uh, and then Marky Mark shows up, enters from stage right with a pool stick in his hand. 
And she's immediately transfixed on him. And Marky Mark's name. Huh? He looks hot. He does. I know. My God, that was going to be my next comment is he actually does look very attractive here. He's like, this is like, he looks very hot. He's wearing a tight black shirt. He's wearing jeans, also tight, a belt. His hair is like perfectly tousled, but like he's super built and he's like, yeah, muscles. Yeah. And also he's like our age. Like, yeah, that's the other thing is that like he's not appropriate for her to be dating. No. So I don't I don't know if they get into this in the movie. I couldn't I don't recall it, but he's 23 and Nicole is 16. So they don't I don't remember them ever actually saying his age, but it's clear that he's older than her and he's not in high school anymore. Yeah, he's meant to be 23 versus her being 16. But when you look at him at that time, do you feel like he looks more like he could be like 29 or do you feel like he looks 23? I'm so bad with ages all the time, I guess. I felt like I could date him now, (laughs) but maybe that was just wishful thinking. (laughs) And by the way, not wishful thinking in that I want to date him, but just like the look. Yeah, at first glance, I mean, you don't know that he's a piece of shit yet. But right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he's he is attractive. Um, Nicole, rightfully so, is kind of drawn to him. And uh, she kind of starts to have this, like, nervous little, like, look up, look away, like, very innocent, doe-eyed kind of vibes. And he, like, clocks her and is like, okay. And he's, like, showing off playing pool. And then, yes, I noted, they're getting chocolate cake to go. Like, what? That's nice. Um, and this is all happening during school hours. Like this place is just bumping during school hours. And then there's like a green flyer that's getting passed around to people that says like fetish. And it's like this party on a Saturday night at 10 PM. Um, and Margot grabs it immediately and she wants to go. And Nicole's like, I can't go. Cause I have this like family outing to this James Taylor con- concert. And then Alyssa Milano kind of makes fun of her and is like, yikes, isn't he like bald or something? And then we see that Marky Mark slash David, David is his actual name as the character, uh, picks up the same green flyer and Nicole clocks that and obviously kind of wants to go now. So then Steve, Mr. Walker, picks Nicole up and they're driving in his convertible and you finally get this like back and forth conversation, just father and daughter, and it's very awkward. So starts super awkwardly in Forest. Nicole's like, dad? And then he's like, daughter. <laughs> Which is like, what? Okay. And she's like, do I really need to go to this concert? Because I've already seen him before. And she has to remind him that she went to one, like a concert of James Taylor's with him and her real mom when they were six. And he's like, how do you even remember that? And then she tells him that she remembers everything. And he's the one who blocks out the past. So some tension going on there. Uh, And then he has this comment of like, no, it just takes longer to sort through 40 years of data. And she has a little quip, maybe you ought to consider upgrading to a faster chip. So it's kind of like they've got this like whole witty repartee around computers because, again, like this was kind of a new thing in the 90s. And he's like, you're actually pretty funny. Um, and then he calls her his little sugar plum and she calls him her little nectarine. And I just wrote, what? LOL. I know. I, know. I would like to think that's cute, but I hate their relationship. Their relationship is so weird. And we will definitely dig into yes. the daddy daughter of it all there's some daddy issues in this movie oh are there ever are there ever so we're back at the family house steve grabs the phone and his coworker eddie is on the line eddie has way too much screen time in this movie it's literally just to be like yeah steve has a job and he's like really needed so it turns out steve has to go to vancouver to meet 
a client in three hours because something got fucked up or whatever it was. He needs to hop on a plane. And we get the feeling that this happens relatively frequently um, because they're all in the kitchen together when they find out. And Mrs. Walker is pissed that he's been planning this for weeks, like this concert, to go to James Taylor. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she was like, you could keep your word to your family. And then he jokes, well, then we'd all starve to death. And she's like, okay, that's super dramatic. But again, reinforcing he's a workaholic dad that the family is reliant upon. Um, and then he punches a cabinet. And yeah, very, very cool. reaction to that. But Yes. So the patriarchy is strong. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of like the inciting incident here. The dad has this client meeting and they weren't able to go to the concert. So then Nicole goes to this fetish club thing mm-hmm. and sees the dangerous David again. Um, although we don't really know he's dangerous at this point. So I shouldn't spoil that for you. <laughs> uh, so then they're at this party club thing. Again, it's a little confusing about what it is. It's kind of like a costumey rave party at a warehouse with a lot of beanies and tracksuits and yeah. red wigs on. It's just like there's people making out. There's mm-hmm. people in feather boas. There's kind of like a tribal element. Like there's these weird kind of beams that have like inscriptions on them. Yes, it almost looks like like tiki torches. Tiki or torches, something. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was trying to figure out like, are those beams? Are they lamps? Right. Like, what are they? It's a bit confusing for sure. It's another kind of just like some guy's idea of this is what a party is look a, a large party gathering of teens looks like. Yes, but like, I also was trying to figure out what giant space like this is hosting underage yeah. drinking. <laughs> I do think that the meeting between David and Nicole is pretty hot. They're like, yeah, they have great chemistry. They do. These two have incredible chemistry they as do. a couple, like great casting with the two of them because they are like, there is electric energy between them from the start. Yeah. Even though it's pretty lame. He's like, you're not dancing. And, and she's, she's like, like, I know. I know. <laughs> and then it's like total silence yeah as she's like looking up looking away like having this sort of moment with him and then she goes you aren't either mm-hmm. which is like delayed good one <laughs> yeah it's and then stupid he's like, i know but i will agree that i was like oh like i got like some butterflies like, yeah but you can tell them. that they're into each other immediately yeah it did make me wonder like how did reese actually feel about him at the time because i guess i just want to say it like he had a crazy past. Yeah, let's like, dig into it now. Now's yeah, the time. Marky Mark. So this this douchebag, <laughs> he he did some really bad shit when he was a teenager. Like he, I didn't even realize he was in New Kids on the Block. Like did not know that. And I guess his brother was like the bigger deal at the yeah. time. Um, and then during that time period when he was like 15, he made some really racist comments to people and did some really aggressive things. And we're not going to give that any glory and go into that too much but like the point is that he ended up having to go to prison he um really attacked various people for their race for the color of their skin there was something regarding like a vietnam war vet who he like attacked he physically attacked people yes so he did not only was he like verbally assaulting people but he physically assaulted people i think he poked someone's eye out or something yeah he was a fucking violent racist douchebag yep that's those are the words so he was a racist douchebag and he went to prison and instead of serving his like four year sentence, he somehow got out in like a couple months and then started being like an underwear model. And from, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. This is what happens to like attractive white men in America is like 
they go to prison for a few months for doing something like horrible they get out they become an underwear model and then, and then go on to have a successful star career in movies alongside Reese Witherspoon no it's fucked so this is crazy to me like yeah this whole thing is crazy and I, I guess we should say like later on he definitely like tries to apologize and wants to be like pardoned or like yeah forgiven, but, but it's be, like he wants to be pardoned and he's trying to frame it in this altruistic right way where I read this, it's an article in time by Brian Moylan, who I, I love him as a writer. Um, and it's called forgive Mark Wahlberg's cinematic crimes. If you like, but not his real ones, which is a great title. Love that. And it explains all of his, his various and violent crimes. And then his, as you said, attempts to redeem himself for those. Yep. And it's framed in this way of, well, if if I'm able to be pardoned, um, it'd be formal recognition that I'm not who I was that night of the the inside, like the well, violent incident. Well, there were also incident. more than one night. So. Of course, exactly. Um, and recognition that someone like me can receive official public redemption if he devotes himself to personal improvement and a life of good works. So that's his sort of framing of why he should be pardoned, which to me, that's, I think that's the wrong approach to take, which is that you can do you can be a piece of shit commit a crime that affects someone for the rest of their life um and then as long as you're a white successful guy who goes on to do these movies and stuff you should you can be officially pardoned right exactly and uh as long as you you know as long as you apologize and make do you should be pardoned no no it should be this lives with you for the rest of your life yeah you commit a crime like this and it is never going away yeah like i don't think that he <laughs> he's I don't think he's learned anything from that because he he had no punishment. I mean, a couple months of jail is nothing for the successful career that he went on to have. And as you said, he's a white, attractive man, and that's why it happened that way. Had this been a black man, he would still be in prison. Yep. And I think the other thing there is that, like, him even just asking to be pardoned or for, forgiven shows that he hasn't learned. Because no. if he had learned, he would want to, like, use his time and resources. He has incredible resources and money to, like – help prevent this from happening exactly. to other people yes. and to really do work and to like know that for the rest of his life he has to live with the fact that he did do that he should not be forgiven he should like use what he learned if he did learn something to try to make things better and try to prevent other douchey white people like him from from doing this and he doesn't do that and I do think that like there's there's certainly a, a nuanced conversation that could be had around like yeah, we some people do shit that's like bad when they're young, but this was not just like, oh, we did something bad when we were no, young. This, this was is a like pattern. truly it was a pattern and it wasn't just like you said one bad thing. It was like you were violent, you treated people in multiple occasions like they were less than human because they looked different than you, and then you continued to do it. Yeah. And that's just not the same thing as being like, Oh, I was a teenager. He almost killed people. Yeah. Like there it's just not the same level of, mm -hmm. you know, what, you can't what, just exactly be forgiven like what you're saying. Yeah. for like, oh, you were young. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go on to talk about him in this movie as, you know, and objectifying him as a hot man. Yes, and he was a hot man. talking about his, his acting and everything while recognizing that this is fucked, that yep. he was able to achieve this level of success and uh, essentially get away scot-free for violent racist crimes. Yep. And it is really strange to think about Reese Witherspoon during this time because she's obviously young. She looks exactly like her daughter does now. It's she crazy. does, yeah. It's like um, copy-paste. But she was in so many movies with, like, 
dudes that were like older than her where she's playing the good girl and there's like the bad guy and like I just wonder what that was like and it must have just been very weird at that time and especially knowing his background and history like I wonder how they actually got along yeah well there was rumors of them being being romantically linked but neither was ever confirmed so okay yeah so okay so we're back to again picturing this kind of crazy looking rave warehouse party um with all these people very dressed for the 90s and Margot sees her man crush, Logan, who we don't understand why he is her crush. No. The guy from the, the coffee shop, the Largo. And she goes off to dance with him. Meanwhile, Nicole's by herself. And as Laura suggested, there's this hot scene with her and David. He kind of enters from behind one of those like tiki pole things. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, yes, we kind of already mentioned this, but he's like, why are you not dancing? And they have this kind of like eye contact and it's like awkward, but also like sexual and like you're kind of waiting for them to hit it off and eventually make out because I was like okay just make out already um and then while they're staring at each other there's like this altercation that ensues it's very confusing it's like Logan headbutts another dude in a beanie yeah and there's like the cops are there everyone's screaming and freaking out people are breaking things there's glass I never actually saw what started it really like was it just supposed to be it's just hey there was an altercation and everyone had to like leave so those like tiki torch light things start crashing on the ground um Marky Mark David takes Reese's hand and they run up these stairs together out to the top of the roof um and she has this like very 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 short mini skirt on and she asks him like how they're gonna get down and he's like I'll figure something out and he sees a fire escape leading down uh, and there's helicopters. Like, why are there helicopters? Just immediately. <laughs> this makes very, no sense. Very fast police response. Yeah. Uh, so there's helicopters coming to break up a rave. Like, this is all strange. Uh, and anyway, she, like, looks down, and there's this sh- camera shot where she's looking down at him, and he's, like, very attractive looking, and he's like, come to me. Um, and she's scared, and he's like, it's safe, I promise. And he just says, like, go ahead, just let go. So she dumped, she jumps down, which looked terrifying, and he catches her, of course. And they drive to the lake in his convertible. He also has a convertible like the dad. Not as nice. And Reese asks him if this is the car that they had to discontinue because it blows up. So she, like, asks him if he has, like, this faulty car. And he's like, yeah, I found her in a junkyard, cold and all alone, and it's not her fault that they put her together wrong. And he's, like, fondling the car as he says it. (laughs) And Reese is like, ha, you said that like you really meant it. And he's like, I did. And he, like, gives her this look. And I'm like, are you comparing her to a car right now? Like, it felt like he was, like, prizing his possessions. It was like a metaphor for, yeah. oh, she wasn't quite put together right, which is which like, is you, you literally don't even know Nicole you don't even yet. Know her. You have just made, like, you've eye fucked a few times and that's it. Yeah, they've just eye fucked. This script is weird AF. That's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, the script has some really, like, like bright moments where it's, like, really tight and, mm-hmm. and sharp and cool. And then other times where it's just like, oh, this is cheese. Yeah, this is, like, so cornball. So then Reese just starts kind of spilling her backstory to David and to the audience so we can learn more about her. So she used to live alone with her mom in L.A. after her parents got divorced and her dad had moved up to Seattle. This had all happened when she was nine. She tells David that she feels like she really had to take care of her mom because her mom was so sad at the time. And then finally, about a year ago, she moved up to Seattle to live with her dad and Laura, Mrs. Walker, um, when she was 15. 
So David's like trying to relate to her and like make her feel heard. And he's like, oh, that must have been really tough. And you can tell that she's like, yeah, it was really tough. Like she's like really leaning into his comfort. And he asks her if she gets along with her dad. And she feels like they, she said that she feels like they barely know each other because they've only really had like an adult relationship or even if that, if you could call it that for the last year or so. So then she asks about his parents and he tells her that they are back east he talks to them all the time. They're still together in this like perfect marriage. So he's like trying to tell her that he has this picture perfect like family and um, trying to kind of manifest that to be how she thinks of him. And I think it's clear at the time he's lying or like we assume he's lying, but she eats it up. He asks what she's thinking uh, because I think she's kind of like falling in love with him already. And she's like, nothing. And then he goes, that was not nothing going on behind, behind those beautiful eyes of yours. Oh, my God. I was like, this is so cheesy. <laughs> She's like, no, it's just you're not what I expected. You're really sweet. And I was like, oh, no, Nicole. It's happening so fast. It's like you're already in it. So he like has this little line about like he was taught that if something is too good to be true. It, it isn't? It probably isn't. I know. He got that messed up. So he was saying, like, rather than something being yeah. too good to be true, probably is. He's saying if it looks too good to be true, it probably isn't. And he's like, you're beautiful and incredibly percep- perceptive. And so he wants to, like, trust that. And, like, I think That's he's saying true. he wants to lean into it. And it's mm-hmm. all true. Um, and he's like, I still need to find your one flaw. And she's like, huh, got a week? And he's like, <laughs> got all the time in the world. Speaking of time, she's like, I have to go. My curfew is midnight. And I was thinking, oh. My curfew was not yeah, midnight. Yeah, that's a late curfew. I, that's I mean, a generous my mom, curfew. It was like 10 p.m. And he grabs her wrist and turns her watch back mm-hmm. as he says the all the time in the world yeah. line. So he's already like turning, trying to be the bad boy here, even though he was like trying to coax her into thinking that like he's got this picture perfect family. Clearly, yeah, he's, he's pushing to, a boundary. He's pushing the boundary by turning her clock back here. Or her watch back, which I was like, oh, remember when all we relied on were watches I know. to tell the time? If only. That's crazy. So then he just basically starts licking her face. He does. Their making out is, he. I mean, he really is licking her face before they kiss. Like, he's, Yep. He first is actually licking her cheek. Like, yeah. It's like his like bottom lip and his tongue uh-huh. just like it's not on her hot. Cheek. I have to say. No, I was like, you can do better. <laughs> yeah. Like that wasn't the way. But it works because they do make out. Yeah. And then they hardcore make out. And when he starts to like put go to feel her up and like put his hand up her shirt, she says, so she pushes him away. And then she goes, and I hate this. She Shame. goes, I'm sorry. I guess you found my flaw. Yep. And oh, uh. that, that just reminded me of being young and thinking that like my only version of like getting approval from people was like being sexually attractive to like high school boys yeah and, and like, that you were disappointing someone in this like extreme being way that, like you owed them something do you remember being a prude being like this horrible oh yeah thing? yeah I, I was had like, someone's like older brother I still will never forget it call me a prude on like AIM yep for not and I was like you're his brother this is the like do you this is so weird this is not what you think it is I'm not offended this is strange but that was meant to be an insult like it totally was it I was, didn't I think I got called one once as well and like spent the rest of my high school years being like no I will prove <laughs> that I am the opposite of that and then you get called a slut which I got called as well so it's like yeah 
You're you either can't win. or there is no in between. No, as a teenage girl, you were either a prude or a slut. So I really related to her here and felt very protective of her and just wanted to be like, dude, you have nothing yeah. to apologize for. You just met this guy. He doesn't need to like put his hand up your shirt and oh, he doesn't. It's you in don't five seconds. Anything. No. And the way that he responds too is, oh no, I respect that. That just makes you better. So now he's like, oh, if you were going to let me fill you up, I was going to go for it. Yeah. But like but you were going to be that a I know slut in my gonna. eyes. And now that you weren't going to like fuck me right away. I, oh my God. I'm even more into it. Yeah. He's like, okay, wait, I'll wait for that. Yeah. I'll wait for I this. I respect that. Now yep. I respect you. Respect. I admire you and I'll wait for this. Mm-hmm. Like I'll so wait just, for it. Uh, all around. Ugh. Okay, so that was their first kind of little lovey-dovey moment together. Um, and meanwhile, Laura Walker, her stepmom, is nervous, waiting up for Nicole to get home. And we kind of transition back to the back to the lake house. And Nicole comes in and she says her watch broke. <laughs> and while this is not true, it is true that her watch was turned back, although she does not tell this to her stepmom. But she says to Mrs. Walker, like, how was I supposed to know? Like, all I had was a watch. And I was like, damn it. Yeah, there were no cell phones. Like, how would you know otherwise? But Laura is pissed. She's like, I'm angry, Nicole. And because she's had to wait up. And it's probably like 2 in the morning at this point. And she goes, and take off your makeup. You look like a slut. Yep. And I was like, oh, hell no. You just called her a slut. Oh. And then it was like, yeah, I guess that was totally normal at the well, time. Internalized misogyny is strong yes. with Laura. She is I was I was a fan of her a bit because she seemed to be like pushing back on Steven mm-hmm. slightly in at like with the clothing conversation. Yeah. But then she has a really problematic turn that, you know, we'll get into as we talk about her her part in parenting Nicole. Yeah. Um, or the lack of parenting Nicole. And uh yeah, that comment she makes she makes another comment very similarly. Yeah, um, later a very on. similar comment later on. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I, yeah, the idea of makeup making you a slut is also, like, so outdated and uh, – but was prevalent at that time for sure. Like, she had eyeliner on. And yeah. It's like, it's like you're asking for it, that whole philosophy and Yeah, what you're wearing, like, how you what look. What you're wearing makes you ask for it. You're yeah, a slut, which is one of, of the thing. most infuriating things ever because there's no way that you can look or dress – do your makeup, do your hair, wear your clothes that can signal that you are asking for anything yeah. to happen to you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Nicole kind of looks like she's been slapped in the face when she says that. And then she just kind of storms yeah, off. Yeah, that made my stomach drop. That was yeah. A- and then it's the next morning and we see the security guard open up the gate for Mr. Walker as he returns from Vancouver. So now he's like having this heart to heart in his office at home. It's like a home office with Nicole. Nicole kind of looks like a photography student here. She's like got her hair back. And oh, like yeah. I said black... I liked her outfit. Black t-shirt, yeah. jeans, black vans. Yes. And then she's like on this stool sitting like very perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. I said, she looks like a photography model or something. Or yeah. Photography model. I can see that. And so he's like basically grilling her about like why she was out until 2 a.m. But he's also being very easy on her. And he like makes a joke about asking if she was kidnapped by aliens. And he's like, who was the guy you were with? Is he a good guy? Like questioning her about who this guy was. And she was like, I mean, I barely know him, but he's good to his car, which you would appreciate. So she's like showing the connection over men love their cars kind of thing. And he says that rather than grounding her, he's giving her kitchen and yard duty for two weeks, no exceptions, and no subcontracting out to Toby, which I thought was funny. (laughs) Uh, And then he wants her to apologize to Laura. And she's like, no, she called me a slut. 
And the next scene is the walkers in their bedroom that night, Steve and Laura basically talking about Nicole. Then he tells her, Nicole said that you called her a slut. And she's like, no, I said she looked like a slut. And she had about two gallons of makeup on, so she did. So again, it's this like reinforcing this makeup comment. And he was like, shitty choice of words, don't you think? So it's like, okay, even yeah. in the 90s, we were trying to show that this wasn't okay. But right. like, obviously it was always reinforced so then david picks nicole up at school the next day and everyone's watching them including gary who looks very unsure about him gary is kind of like we know that he's friends with with nicole we don't think that they have any kind of romantic relationship but like she's cute and he's cute-esque i guess for a high school boy so maybe there are some feelings there who knows Anyway, uh, after David picks up Nicole, they go back to the Largo and they're playing pool together at their favorite local coffee shop and they're giving each other the eyes and then you can see Margot and Logan making out in the background. Basically for the rest of this movie or at least for yeah. the next half of the movie, Margot, just assume Margot's making out with Logan. Yeah, that's essentially all, all the that's time. happening. And he's disgusting. Just make those assumptions. And so then like David's looking at Nicole and they're obviously like thinking about making out and then they go outside and they're like making out against a brick wall. So it's very like the notebook type vibes. Uh, and then he goes, you know, every part of you tastes so good. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. He's so silly. He's so cheesy. And then that's all that's needed when he says he wants to meet her family. She's like, okay, I'm down. Uh, and she's going to introduce him to the fam. To yeah, the you think I'm tasty? Yeah, if family. you think I'm tasty, come see my house. <laughs> oh, God. And David's really playing up his, like, kind of, like, polite East Coast boy mentality, being, like, ma'am and sir and that sort of thing. And uh, he's loving up on the dog, Kaiser, and on Toby, making some bad corny jokes about, like, Toby growing over the last 24 hours. The dad – so Steve Walker is pissed. Like, he sees him, and he's, like, in his mind, you can be, like – you can tell he's, like, you are way too old for my daughter. What the fuck? And he's also, like, threatened. Like, you can tell immediately that they want you to see that the dad is threatened by this new man, like, coming into her life and his, like, strong presence. And then – on the flip side, the mom, Mrs. Walker, is, like, very kind of immediately endeared to him because he offers to do Nicole's chores for her. He offers to, like, help with the plants or something. And uh, Tobias asks if he can help as well. So he, like, immediately is winning over the family with the exception of the dad. And Margot is suddenly there. It's like Margot's always there. And Margot and Nicole are, like, making googly eyes at David as he's telling Laura all about soil mo moisture. Yeah, that was <laughs> a good scene. winks at them. Yeah. Mr. Walker is at a loss for words. He's just like, what is happening in this household right yeah, now? Yeah, he feels immediately out of control. Immediately yes. there is another male presence in his home territory, and he does not like it. He is not happy. Yep, he does not like it at one bit. And then we're in Mr. Walker's office next, and he's doing some – busy work on his computer and he hears David come in and <laughs> David asks Mrs. Walker where he can get cleaned up and she says I think some hard-earned dirt on a man's fingernails can be attractive yeah they have a weird sexual yes, chemistry banter sort of to... thing yeah 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 and so Mr. Walker is obviously a little put off by this and David has to go through Mr. Walker's office to get to the bathroom and he's like being all polite like where's the bathroom and he shouts out to Nicole, Nicole, get me a Coke. And there's like a moment when he says that and she's like, okay. And Mr. Walker is like 
my gosh, my little girl is getting bossed around yeah, by, by another man. Dude, but yeah. like he could have easily been the one to be like, Nicole, grab me a coat. That would have been almost, fine if he was doing yes, it. Yes, but not okay for this new boyfriend yes. guy to do it. Yep. So then Margot comes into the office and this is very weird and very, very awkward. This is so weird. This is like bizarre to me because yes, of course, she's very attractive. And yes, the dad's like young-ish enough. But this is so strange. She comes to the office. She starts flirting with Mr. Walker and she's telling Mr. Walker he should come out with them. They're apparently going to like some carnival or something. And she's like, you could win us a stuffed animal. And then she bends over and her ass cheeks are just like out. Like she bends over very purposefully. And then he looks like, (laughs) I said, he looks very uncomfortably horny. (laughs) Yeah. I would say that that's the correct characterization. He is uncomfortable because David is in the room. And then David's watching. And David is watching him watch Margot. Yep. And he's like smirking at him like, gotcha. I know that you're looking at yep. your daughter's best friend. Yep. It's such a strange moment. I think, I, I guess it's, yeah, an attempt to demonstrate, oh, he's just a man. He can't help where his totally. eyes look when this hot girl, even though she's 16 and his daughter's best friend is in front of him. But it's so odd. There is, so like the next... I don't know if it's the next scene or it's like very soon after where he's like, we should get that suite that we got that one time to his wife. So this has somehow like reinvigorated his like horniness. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, the suite, the hotel suite. Yeah. Yes, totally. So he's like, oh. okay, like I'm. I'm ready to have some sex. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's so strange. It's a attempt, I guess. Like it's just, it's kind of sloppy. They never really come back to it. Yeah. Cause like, it's really gross. It's like a weird situation that they wanted to add in. But I think more than anything, like you said, it's like showing that the two men can now see eye to eye. And the dad doesn't want to see eye to eye. But like, it's like he's, yeah, they have the same feelings there. And it's like, we're just men. What can we do? Yeah, right? we're animals like at our very core. We're to each other. Feral, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mr. Walker, after like Margo walks away, he tells David very sternly, hey, David, Nicole's curfew is 12 o'clock. And David's like, yeah, of course, sir. And then when Mr. Walker turns around to go back to work, David pushes the clock back. He does his old clock trick. His His old old clock clock trick. trick. I'm like, how does this work? This is so stupid. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. (laughs) Fast forward. David and Race are – David and Nicole are making out in a car. He's basically eating her nose. Like, he's just eating her entire face. They're on their way to, like, this theme park or whatever they're going to, and we see this very, like, montage a la 90s of it getting darker out with the Ferris wheel lighting up and romantic-ish music playing. I didn't know this song, but it sounded familiar. I think it's called, like, Wild Horses or something. Yeah, it's a cover of uh, Wild Horses by, I think, The Sundays. So as this music is playing, it's like they're at this carnival fair thing, and David is, like, making out with Nicole and grabbing her butt and this is the first time that she's like let him do this I mean it's only like the second or third time that they've made out but it's clear that things are getting more physical progressing between them and then they go on a roller coaster (laughs) and I write oh boy I think I remember this part and I did I will tell you this is like one of the things in the movie that I remembered this is insane who doesn't remember this I mean when I watched this when I was like 13 I was like wow what a metaphor I mean, I don't think I knew what a metaphor was, but yeah, this roller coaster scene. It's it's one of the, I mean, there's a couple like 
very iconic scenes from this movie, and this is absolutely one. Yes. So they get on the roller coaster, and as they're slowly going up the roller coaster, she um, places his hand in between her legs to signal that she's, like, ready for some more physical action. Yep. And, yeah, he starts, like, fingering her, and she, like, has an orgasm as they're going down the roller coaster. Yeah, it's, like, 30 seconds just up the roller coaster, down the roller coaster to uh, Wild Horses. Yes, and their it's faces... It's a wild scene. Their, their faces are, like, all over the place because of the roller coasters. It's, like, their cheeks, and, like, she's just, like, having this high, and it's just, oh, my God. Uh, she also licks her lips after and smiles and then, like, looks at him with her, like, little innocent look, and I don't know. It's just such a weird... It's a scene. It's it's a memorable scene. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. Um, and it's not... I don't really find it to be hot. Because no, it's not hot, but it's hot. I mean, I'm sure it was meant to be. Totally. And of the time, I mean, I think probably, again, when I watched it when I was 13, oh, yeah. I was all like, this is all so romantic. If and, I oh, had seen gosh. this movie when I was a teenager, I would have been, like, dying. Yeah, but now, scene. of course, now I'm thinking that angle is weird. There's so many people around. It was, like, 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, it's just Also, all I was together. imagining, like, having my heart drop as I, like, yeah, the I was thinking, part. I don't know if I want to do those things at the same time. Also, I will share one of the fun facts that we have at the okay, end. But okay. for now, is that that roller coaster is the same roller coaster that is in Final Destination 3, I believe. Oh. Like the infamous roller coaster scene that where the guy's head, you know, oh he gets decapitated. Oh my God, crazy. Thing. So that's quite a roller coaster. That roller coaster co- has seen This coaster a few gets things. some action. Yeah, it does. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yes, this is we made one it of through. Thank you for making icon- it through the roller coaster iconic scene. movie scenes <laughs> from this movie. Um, and then they are playing carnival games, and uh, Marky Mark wins at a shooting game. So he gets Nicole a wooden peace pipe. Yeah, and I said, do not forget this. Don't yep. forget this. I have that as well. So Although then, I called it like a stick, a peace pipe. Okay. I yeah, uh, because he actually says I had the captions on, and he says like. Oh, that peace pipe. Okay. And I was like, huh? This is so weird. Yeah. And then that comes into play later, but it's weird. So the dad's on the phone with his coworker, Eddie, who we're BFFs with now because he talks about Eddie all the time. And he realizes he's late to drop an envelope off because the clocks were set back. So he's like realizing at home in his home office on the phone with his coworker, like, oh my God, I was supposed to drop this envelope off. It had this important thing that was going to get sent out before seven. But how did I fucking figure out – or how did I, like, get so confused? Oh, the c- clocks are set back. So David's he, ingenious trick worked. Apparently there's not a clock on the computer No. Yeah. It doesn't just, look anywhere except Just the his, one clock. Yeah. So he said he screwed up. He has to go back to Vancouver. He's telling this to his wife and asks her if she wants to go with him. And like you were saying earlier – um he's kind of trying to appeal to her now because she's like bye bye (laughs) like she's Mm -hmm. very annoyed by him and he's like okay but wait I want you to come with me like what if we stay in that hotel what if we get the same suite wink 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 yeah I saw some butt cheeks earlier yeah I saw some young Alyssa Milano's ass cheeks earlier and I'm I'm ready I'm reinvigorated it's gross and uh yeah he clearly wants to like patch up the marriage right now as the parents leave the next morning Mr. Walker tells Nicole and Toby that they should not let anybody else into the house. He is very, very insistent on this. Uh, Nicole says she hears him, and then he tells her to smile, to which she gives, like, a goofy grin. I was like, why are people always telling women to smile all the time? Yeah, never tell a woman to smile. Don't do that. And even as a dad, even more so, don't do that. No, I 
makes me want to growl and like bare my teeth yeah. at someone when they do that. It's like I'll bite your face off. Okay. She yeah gives him the grin, and then she immediately goes to call David when yep. this happens directly afterwards, and she's like, "Hey, my parents are out of town. If you want to come over." He's in a car with his creepy gang of misfit friends, and he said he promised a friend he'd help out with something, and you can, like, tell it's not something good, it's Something it nefarious. Yeah. yeah, something very nefarious. And he tells her, well, I could probably come over later, though, and she's like, okay, if it's too late, I might be in bed, so just punch 1432 into the keypad. And I was like, no, Nicole, don't give him the code to the house. Yeah, she did it. So, Yeah. Now I'm going to pass it off to to Laura to take us into act two. Okay. So real quick, going back to the phone call, there's one thing. I didn't know what was going on when I watched this the first time. He's petting a dog that's in his lap while he's talking to Nicole. David is? is when they're in the car. Yeah, there's a dog on his lap. That is so weird. It's very weird. In my memory, it was something else that's happening, but it's a dog that he is petting. Um, But anyway... David uses that code that Nicole just gave him, lets himself into the house. He creeps around for a little bit. In the dark, he stares longingly at a family photo. He finally makes his way up to Nicole's room, and again, he's rifling through stuff. He opens up her jewelry box, and he finds a bracelet. It's one of those, like, chain link with the plaque things. It's in the middle. It's um, done in the style of, like, a medical alert bracelet. It's inscripted with the words, Daddy's Girl. Barf. Yep. Yeah. Um, he takes the sheet off of Nicole, and she's in a matching lingerie set, and he is naked. And she looks a bit shocked. Like, I know we're supposed to see her as very innocent and virginal, and I really do. She's It's really driven home here. She looks so young. Yeah. Um, and again, we covered that he's 23 and she's 16. I, uh, w- I don't recall specifically finding that out either. I don't think it's, like, said in the movie, but when I Googled it, that was their age difference. Um, and so I thought this was illegal. I thought it was statutory rape, but I looked up the age of consent in Washington state and it's 16 and it's 17 in New York and 18 in California. So I had just assumed it was older elsewhere as well, but that's so interesting. I don't know why I didn't even think of that. She was 16, not 17. Yeah. But yeah, according to Google, it's not technically statutory rape, but it still grows. It's predatory. David tells Nicole he loves her though. Um, it has been like a day. Yep. She he does tells not say her that it back. like very much to try to like get her yeah, to go yeah. all the way oh, of course, because yeah. she's absolutely like she's hesitating a little. Yeah. So th- that has happened. Um, but now they're back at school, and David is there waiting to pick up Nicole. He sees her hugging her friend Gary goodbye, and David is immediately enraged by this. He rushes up and he beats the shit out of poor Gary. He, he punches him in the out. head. Gary falls to the ground. David kicks him over and over again. Nicole tries to stop him, and David pushes her to the ground. He really shoves her, so she falls back. And then when he finally does stop, he turns to Nicole, and he's like, what? Come on, let's go. Which he's is totally normalizing what he just did as if it's, like, yeah. literally going to get some coffee. What? I, I just had to beat him up really quick. Let's yeah, of go. Course. What's he wrong like, with you? He was hugging you. Yeah, and she's, of course, crying. She's sobbing, and she's like, leave us alone. You're insane. Leave us alone. So back home, Nicole is in the shower again. She's contemplating what just happened. And when she gets out, Laura comes into the bathroom to give Nicole a sweater that she had just bought on their recent little getaway. And she notices Nicole has a black eye. And Laura helps her cover it up with makeup uh, after Nicole says that she got it in gym class playing volleyball with an elbow to the eye. Mm. So she's lying, which is so sad. I also noticed that, like, what's interesting, they kick things off with her in the shower being totally virginal. Yep. um, With such a clean face. And then 
they have her in the shower again after she's had sex and been beat up by her boyfriend and then she like looks in the mirror and has like a black eye and lies about it it's like a very interesting contrast from the first scene definitely yeah i think that's exactly what was happening there um laura kind of parades nicole out to the dad and is like look how beautiful my daughter looks and the dad asks nicole for a kiss goodbye which is gross uh he says like don't i get a kiss goodbye yeah um and the dad asked Laura, what was that about? Because they kind of had like a weird, like diff- their, their relationship seemed to have changed. Yeah. Like it was a little bit strange. And she says, oh, I got a bl- she uh, Nicole got a black eye in gym class. So I gave her a makeup lesson so she wouldn't look like such a slut. But she also too easily believes her about the volleyball. Yeah. It just feels wrong. Yeah. Agreed. So now we get another school scene. Nicole is walking through the halls with that friend Gary. Thank God he's okay. He actually seems a little bit too okay for the beating he received. Like, he's just kind of Agreed. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see any bruises or anything on him, but he's good for now. Um, but he says to Nicole, talk to Travis Bickle yet? And I had to look this up. I didn't know who Travis Bickle was. Uh, he is the protagonist of the 1976 classic Scorsese movie Taxi Driver, oh. who's played by a young Robert De Niro. And Travis is a New York cabbie who becomes disgusted by the crime and corruption of the city around him, and he decides to take matters into his own hands in a violent and and murderous way. Ah. So it's a deep cut, but it's not a great comparison because, I mean, this is coming from someone who hasn't seen the movie, so take this with a grain of salt, but, like, this person seems vengeful and, like, they have a purpose for their violence versus Mm -hmm. uh, David, who just beat the shit out of Gary for hugging Nicole. But anyway. Bit of a different storyline. Yeah. Um. But you mentioned something about Gary and Nicole potentially having, like, mm-hmm. some sort of attraction. So another, I guess, fun fact about the movie is Gary was originally supposed to be um, gay in the oh. in the script. It was explicit that he was and that ultimately didn't make the final cut. But as a result, I think, like, he has these interesting lines throughout the movie that don't really flesh him out as a character. No. But kind of give him this interesting, like, that's, an, that's a weird line. Like, yep. okay, you're a movie buff, maybe. And he makes another comment, like he says, okay, cane me in Singapore, which yes, then I had to look that up. I wanted to yeah. look it up. I didn't have time. I looked it up. It's just the corporal punishment in Singapore is caning. I um, see. So he has these, a couple. Like, he has a lot of very like little, um, like, yeah. Like uh, intellectual sort of pop culture. Yeah. Yep. Totally. But it reminded me of Graham in Single White Female. I was Female, just going to say. Yeah. Where he's just kind he of this. He was gay. Yeah. And he's this white male friend that's just there for support for our protagonist and doesn't really get any of that like reciprocated friendship back totally it's just kind of like protecting he's unfortunately like a punching bag yeah literally literally both graham and yes and so another another the G's, trope that graham we see yeah um so nicole and gary are walking and talking in the hallways and david has snuck into the school <laughs> he is following them to eavesdrop and gary says the look in the in david's eyes gave him nightmares and nicole is like i'm so sorry i'm just so confused why is david able to get into the school my this is a full adult. Exact question. I ask it again and again and again. He is twenty three years old. Also, by the way, let's let's just quickly back up real quick. When when the dad, when Mr. Walker asks him, like, "Hey, you're not in school with my daughter, are you?" He, he says was, he's taking like a gap year. He or said like right? he's taking a gap year, and that he's like maybe going to go to UW in the fall. Yeah. And if he's twenty three, that's not a gap year. First of all. And then second of all, why is he allowed in school? How did he get in the school? There's no yeah. sign-in process. There's no semblance of security. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. Nothing. No, none of the students were like, hey, you're, you're old. old. Get out of here. You're hot, but you're old. Like, what are you doing? It's also very like, weird. Yeah, depending what his history really is, it's just a very strange thing to just allow him to laissez-faire, go in and out He's of the high school. Stalking around the hallways. Yep. 
But later, Nicole goes to her locker and a note falls out. And David has apparently also found her locker number um, in his school stocking. And he's left her a note that says, Nicole, I can't begin to describe how sorry I am. Please meet me at the Largo after school. I'll be waiting for you. Love, David. This is in the same handwriting as a later note that is supposed to be from Nicole. So if I was her friend, I would think she wrote that note to herself. But it's just a plot hole that they didn't bother to like have different handwriting oh interesting because there are many notes written in this movie i didn't notice the handwriting they give them all the same handwriting there's just one person that was responsible for writing all the notes in the prop department and they didn't change the handwriting (laughs) (laughs) so largo is that party coffee shop yes it's not a party now david is just waiting there by himself and nicole doesn't show so there's a song that's playing during this scene it's called the illest Mm -hmm. guess who it's by uh it's by marky mark no. It's his song. No, it's he not. he was like a rapper for a bit. Oh my God, get out. That was his name. Like Marky Mark was yeah, his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. so lame. And the lyrics that play at the beginning of the song are, hey, yo, I'm a murderous murder man kicking down your front door. Like this is a song he wrote and it's like featured in him being a creep in the scene. Wow. Yep. Okay. So there, it is, it's interesting because I thought, wow, I think Mark Wahlberg's a terrible actor. Everything I've ever seen him in is just not good and I don't think he's good but in this movie I thought he was good and I think he's just playing himself himself he's playing a murderous menacing asshole and so he's good at it yep he's like okay great I can do that no problem I can be scary I can can scream I can be manipulative also can you feature my rap song in in this movie yeah just no big deal oh my god that's funny thank you for picking up on that (laughs) god um well now we're at a house and a pack of goons is knocking on this door and they say we're here to see a man about a dog and the guy that looks through the peephole says, does this look like a kennel? But then he opens the door and says, woof, woof, woof. So this appears to be a drug den. And David is there. Uh, the guy with the long hair, the, um, to- or what's his name? That Logan. Logan. Oops, I called him Toby. That's the, <laughs> Toby's the that's little the brother. brother. Um, this is maybe Logan's dad's house. And his dad is out of town and they're all crashing there. It's someone's dad's house. Yeah. And it turned into a crash pad den of iniquity. Um, the guy who answered the door and wolfed goes up to Logan and is like, uh, there's some guys here who are interested in the dog, which I think is a code word. But then there was also the dog in the car with them that he was petting. Yeah. So, now know. that you're saying this, I'm confused. Are they selling dogs? They're selling know. dogs and drugs. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, this does not sound good, though. Um, so that Logan says, go tell David. And this guy goes up to tell, and he finds David lying in a small bed <laughs> in a weird room. Why are all the beds so small? It's so small. <laughs> it's really small. It's like a twin bed, and he can barely fit in. It's like a cot. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, David has covered this room in pictures of him and Nicole, and also his own mugshot. And there's some back and forth where David, this guy says, like, you know, you're not pulling your own weight. David doesn't really do much more than grunt, but he clearly like scares this guy. And the guy warns him, this guy's dad is going to get home soon and we're all going to be out on your ass. So you Mm -hmm. better think about that. Yeah. But back at the Walker residence, Nicole gets a delivery and she looks really young here again, uh, which is to say she looks her age, I guess, because she's 16. Mm -hmm. But she's in pigtail braids with those little hair ties with like the bobbles on them. You remember those? Like little balls. Oh my gosh, I remember those. Um, She doesn't even open the package that was delivered. She just goes and throws it (laughs) out. in the trash. Yeah. And she's about to open up to Laura, but she changes her mind at the last minute and she says, never mind. She kind of like huffs away. Later that night, though, Laura and Stephen hear Nicole crying, and Laura says, I'll go up and check on her. And Nicole tells her the flowers were from David and that David was so polite and considerate, but then he became a monster. And the dad walks in on them, and is he's listening to Nicole describe how David beat up Gary, and the dad is like, did he give you that black eye too? So he knew. 
Um, Nicole doesn't cop to that, though. She still denies it. And the dad comes into the room a little more, and he ends up finding a condom wrapper on the ground. Um, Oh, boy. And this prompts him to give a speech where he says, Nicole, whatever you think I've done to you is not bad enough for you to go ahead and throw whatever, throw your whole life away, which is apparently what he thinks having sex will do. Yes. Um, Very, very. Though not for him, just for his virginal daughter. Yep. She's going to throw her entire life away by having sex. Yeah. Once, as far as he knows. Yeah. So Nicole is like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. This may come as a shock to you, but not everything I do is with you in mind. I'm living my own life. He says, no, you're not. Not yet. Not as long as you live under my house. It's my rules. You're following my rules. He raises his voice. He's really angry. And you're not doing anything I don't like. You're not going to do it if I don't like it. And Nicole says, this is not about David. Or this is about David. You don't like him. Yeah. And he says, this is. he's like yeah he's not a good guy like I yeah I don't like him but Nicole says look we had a disagreement and maybe we'll get past it maybe we don't but it will be about us and it won't be about you essentially telling her dad like this relationship is not about you it's about me she's right that he's getting overly okay I mean obviously David is a bad guy and he beat up his daughter I get it but at the same time he is he's being very selfish in the way he's approaching this. He's approaching this as if like someone's encroaching on his territory and like taking away this like virginity of his daughter. Yes. And instead of being like a guiding parent, that's like, Hey, let me help. Like, let's talk through like the pros and cons of having sex, bef- you know, whatever it is. Like, it's like, he's not having any kind of nurturing relationship with her. And she's obviously not really getting that from her stepmom. Although her stepmom is obviously trying now a bit to do that until the dad, like, comes in and is like oh there's a condom on the floor god damn it you're ruining your life no it's it's so it's he's he's going about it completely the wrong way I mean yeah their relationship I guess we might as well get into it here is so gross <laughs> like it the, is so it's like did you want to have sex with her yeah like, I don't know okay again I found a great article it's on a site has a great name father son holy gore and <laughs> the title of the article is fear queasy male jealousy and patriarchal control it's yep. incredible. Love it basically encapsulates all of the feelings that we have here, which is, you know, male jealousy is nothing new. It's explored in tons of the thrillers that we're going to be watching. Yeah. Um, and it's still, of course, like we see it with incels, with everything today, toxic masculinity. Um, but this particular portrayal of masculinity is really interesting. And I think maybe it wasn't intended originally, but <laughs> the way that this movie continues to unfold both of their their again toxic masculinity the way that that manifests itself in different ways but around wanting to control Nicole is is just this disgusting display that makes neither of them the hero like I think the dad thinks he's the protagonist of course yep um when he's just an additional antagonist and treating Nicole in this very controlling and and very gross jealous way um, there's an, uh, Alyssa Milano has like a line where she says, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. Like something very outright, like what, what we're basically saying. But anyway, this article really captures all of that yeah, because that's totally all very like deep and profound with, within what they're actually expressing here, whether or not the right. movie was intended to go that deep. That's definitely what we're seeing played out here probably I don't even know if a man directed this or like oh of course I'm sure that yes. they did I mean I don't even know why I would ask but uh <laughs> it was yeah it's clear that that's just even inherently yeah and I well here. I mean I think the 
the obvious theme was daddy knows best you know yeah you need to protect your virginal daughter like parents fears are validated in this it's called fear right exactly um so laura comes back into the room where like the their uh bedroom and steven the dad shows her the condom wrapper he's still holding on to it uh which he he could throw that away um, and she's like, oh, boy, but you really can't bully her into growing up. It doesn't work that way. That's true. Yeah. Um, Nicole is digging through the trash now for the package she threw away earlier. She's having a change of heart. <laughs> and there's an envelope in there, and it has the photo booth pictures of her and David that he had hung up on his wall. And she's just kind of, like, staring at them like, oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'm having second thoughts. Ugh. And now we're at the pool with Margot, and this whole scene is the most disturbing yet, so we're getting into it. She says, so he hit you. Sometimes that's just the way assholes show, show that, they love, that they love you. Yeah. So internalized misogyny, normalization of domestic violence and battery to like the nth degree. It's yep. just. Yeah. Oh, and, no. and Margo does it. Um, Mrs. Walker, Laura does yeah. it. They, I mean, there really is not really any. They totally trivialize that this has happened to her this is like get over and then so nicole says oh well he didn't mean it and margo's like oh my god okay so then what's the problem oh my gosh yeah she's like are you serious he didn't mean it and even if he did mean it like he's just showing he loves you and cares about yeah i mean we hear that as young as like two years old right like oh he's pulling your hair because he likes you yes oh like that's how little boys show that they like you with violence yeah, because it's like if you get it's like, the message spanked by that your you dad, get. it means they love you and they're trying to discipline you. If you get your pigtails pulled on the playground by a boy, it's because they like you and have a crush on you. Yeah, and it's totally excused. Oh, he was just showing you that that's how he shows you he likes you. He can't use his words yet. I had this dude that I had a crush on, and he pushed me on the playground when I was like six or seven. And I remember I got like crazy bruises on my knees, and like I was all scraped up from it. But like... I liked him more because people were like, oh, my God, he likes you so much. That's why he did that. And then I was like, oh, my God. And then I stayed awake until, like, 5 a.m. writing down, like, funny things I would say to him the next day, like little quips and stuff. So it's just like, oh, I feel that so hard. Oh, that makes me so sad. And it is. I mean, it's a message that we receive so young that that's what that is. Like, male anger and aggression is their way of showing that they care because they they can't be expected to express their emotions in a normal way. No, they could never just be, like – kind and they can't (laughs) tell you that they like you they're gonna fucking punch you you. and scrape your knees up yeah you're gonna have a black eye and that's how you know he likes you god it's so fucked so margo is in the middle of saying something else fucking stupid um and a surprise david and the goons are there to interrupt uh with logan and um margo has a really nice backyard too she's got like the pool on the water yeah she does so the boys jump in I don't know if I should call them boys. The the men. Pieces of shit jump yeah, in the, the pool. Yeah, the POS men. Um, Nicole books it. She jumps in her Hunter Green Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> but David runs and he stops her and he's like, wait, wait, wait. Let me explain. When I beat the shit out of you, that came from someplace good. My aggression and my assault and battery are all for you. I love you. I lost it, but I was trying to protect you from all the horrible guys in the world who will take advantage of you. That's like essentially his speech. Yeah. He says that he learned from her. He has always had to take care of things, but now he need- knows he needs to be taken care of too. Okay. And Nicole is softening here. Like, yep. come on, girl. But she's going to forgive him. Yeah. And, I mean, look at the examples that she has. It's not as if it's she has surprising, no. support from anyone other than Gary, who's, like, you know, comparing him to an actual murderer. Who's, like, a blob. He's just a nothing as He well. gets no character development. Yeah. yeah. So, cut to Stephen slash daddy comes home to find... 
David playing in the pool with his entire family. And he's so <laughs> mad. He toss, David tosses Nicole into the pool, and then he's trying to throw Laura into the pool, but they are like flirt, play, struggling. He Aww. has his arms around her waist. She's, I mean, she looks amazing in her bathing suit. She does. As does David, of course. And so he's like full on hugging her before he tosses her into the pool. There's really no words spoken in the scene, but it is a very tense scene. Steve, Steven sees David as encroaching on his patriarchal territory, his wife, his daughter, even his stepson that he doesn't give a shit about. There's the, the standoff eye contact scene where David is making out with Nicole's forehead. Like, it's just oh, all... Oh, it's so bad. This is where... Okay, so David does a little bit of a, like, macho turn here where he starts to feel like he has Nicole under his finger. Yep. Well, he beat her up and she came back. And she came back. And... He's starting to feel like he can show Mr. Walker, like, I've got the power. So he very, like, purposely gives him a look of, like, oh, yeah, I fucking know what I'm doing. Yeah, this scene is very sinister. And, like, it's you licks know, her forehead, basically. It's, again, one of those things we've talked about this in, I think, single white female, where if David were to say, like, stop, cut the shit, like, what's going on here, which he kind of tries to, mm-hmm. they're like, we're playing in the pool we're enjoying the weather yeah like we're having fun what's wrong with you come join yeah don't like freak why out do you s- yeah we don't see anything bad going on here so it's mm-hmm. one of those like you know drives you crazy kind of scenes oh boy yep. so them getting back together has prompted steven to look into david's background which not a bad idea and he calls up laura who's at home and she's in some great round wire frame frame glasses doing some computer work <laughs> um he tells laura that the June and Ward Cleaver story David fed Nicole about his parents is not true. David was, in fact, shuffled between foster home to foster home to institution and God knows where. And Laura's like, okay, he was embarrassed about his upbringing and he made up a cover story. Big deal. And Stephen okay, just hangs Laura. up on her. He's like, you are a dumb bitch. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Why does no one see that this is a problem besides me? He's like, you just liked being pushed in the pool by him because he's hot. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he's not Yeah, happy. we've now learned that, like, there's some shit to dig up on this guy. David like, made stuff he up. He made up he's, that lie, and it wasn't yeah, just an He's innocent. been in institutions, which we he didn't really dive into it at that time. But, yeah. yeah. So now Stephen is doing some spying. He goes to Nicole's school, and he sees David waiting for Nicole to pick her up. And he pulls up next to David, and he says, we need to talk. Follow me around the corner. They're both in their fancy little classic car convertibles so steven gets out and he immediately confronts david so they're out of their cars um he tells him you're no longer seeing nicole and if you're as smart as you think you are you'll just accept this and you'll move on and david responds and says you know what you're really not as an f word as much of an f word slur as i thought you were you're a pretty stand-up guy you should be less hard on yourself it's always so jarring to hear that word in movies in media from that time and david is just such a piece of shit yeah um so steven is like this isn't about me. And David's like, actually, it absolutely is. It's about you and your inadequacies. I'm hip to your problems. You left Nicole in her time of need. I know because I've licked her sweet tears. Shit's falling apart at work. Vomit. So you've lost control there. And you aren't keeping up your end of the bargain with the missus. Because if you were, she wouldn't be all over my stick. Oh, shit. What a fucking some shade being. <laughs> I love this part. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> also, like, first of all. Yeah, David, that's all true. But also, you're just as fucking bad. Actually, you're worse. These, these are. It's the fight of the two evils. Like, oh, it is. Like, it's toxic masculinity against true. toxic masculinity. It's, it's. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's such a good. Stephen is clearly shocked. He's like, okay, I didn't really expect that. He's like actually relatively good at keeping his cool. He is, but then he responds like, I'm gonna sh- rip your balls off and shove oh, them yeah. up your blah blah. I'm gonna thing. shove them so far up your ass they'll come out your mouth. You got that, my friend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So then this infamous scene. This is actually my favorite scene. Oh, yeah. When I think of this movie, I think of this scene. So David is is still standing against his car, and he starts rhythmically beating (laughs) his chest. Left hand to right chest, just over and over again with his fist. He's punching himself in this, like, rhythmic way. We see this in Wolf of Wall Street, actually. He does this in Wolf of Wall Street. It's like a cry of masculinity. Yeah, it's really disturbing, and it's weird, and it's scary, and it just heightens this menacing air of David. And so now the dad is having a conversation with his coworker at the office, the guy who you said Eddie. gets too much airtime. Yeah, which he does. And Stephen is basically ranting about how David, he needs to do something about David. And the coworker essentially tells him, you're meek unreasonable. And he says something very upsetting, which is, you didn't think she was going to be a virgin forever, did you? Why is he talking about his coworker's daughter's virginity? Why is that a topic for fodder in conversation? I don't know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, like this is a work. This is their business conversation about his daughter, and they're talking about, about her, virginity? her virginity. Of all the things, it could be like, hey, I'm really worried that like she has a black she, eye. He's beating the shit out of her. He there lied about his background. He's 23. Yeah, not any like, of those things. Not oh like, god, oh my god, she's not a virgin. That's a problem. He popped what? her cherry. It's so so strange. Like. You should not ever be thinking about your coworker's daughter's virginity. What's his name again? Eddie? Eddie. Eddie. Fuck off, Eddie. Oh, my God. So back at home, Nicole comes busting into the house, and she's like, where's my father? She walks into Stephen's office, and she calls him a hypocrite because she says he punched David. She He punched him so hard that he has bruises all over his chest. Now we so figure now out we know why. That's why he was, he was like beating maniacally beating his, his chest. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so I crazy. was like, when he first was doing that, I was like, I love it. Is he like, is this his version of self-harm? Is this him beating Me himself too. up? That's what or I thought it was like too. Or is this like a mating cry? Like, what is this? And it's now just, we're like, It's so oh. unsettling. It's a really, it's a really like sophisticated, weird scene for this not so great movie. Yeah, it's kind of like that a sticks out for sure. Scene. Yeah. It's good. That turns out so, to be a strategy. Yeah. He knew he could get Nicole's sympathy if he said, you know, your dad beat me up, which is true. So we now have an almost jump scare. It's like very intense, immediate music. Nicole has run outside and into David's car and David stares down Stephen while he drives off. And Stephen is yelling, Nicole, fuck. But David and and Nicole drive off together and some jammy music plays. And Stephen has called the police to report her kidnapped, essentially. But the police are like, this isn't a problem for us. You need to call a lawyer. Um, So David and Nicole have driven to a lake to talk dirty to each other and make out and probably do it to wild horses again. Yep. And Nicole does tell him that she loves him now. Yep. It's the Um, first first time. Yeah. But David drops her off at home. And so she's not actually kidnapped. She hasn't run away. But she's debating going into her house. And she's like, no, I'm just going to be in trouble. And I want to continue hanging out with David. So she actually jumps in her car and she goes to find David again. And so she drives to the house where David has been staying, the drug den, and she peeks in to see what's going on, and she comes upon a very upsetting scene. She sees Margot, and Margot is likely on drugs, and her and Logan, uh, the long-haired, older, gross guy that she's been making out with this entire movie, they're smoking something from a pipe. It's unclear. Yeah. I don't know. Something not great. Yeah. Something harder than marijuana. Yeah. It's like crystal meth. I don't know. Um, and Margot's on his lap, and she's, like, grinding and dancing and generally, like, writhing around on him. Um, so that's not something you want to see, but it gets much worse. It does. It gets way worse. David comes up, and he grabs Margot's jaw. He's standing behind her, and uh, we see Nicole get upset immediately. Like, what? what's going on? Why, he, why is he touching her that way? And David snarls at Margot. You want me, don't you? This is so Tell awful. me you want me. Tell him that you want me. 
and he's pulling her hair. He's like, it's truly he's snarling at her. Um, she is terrified and her pathetic, I don't know if he's her boyfriend, Logan says, you can have her. I think he calls her like a pathetic slut or something yeah. awful. He's like, take her. I don't want that bitch. Yeah. And David throws Margot over his shoulder and he grabs her ass so violently. Oh my God. So he, he like, yeah, it's, it's like shakes. It's very disturbing. And Nicole is obviously <laughs> extremely upset. She has no idea what the fuck she just saw. And she runs back to her Jeep and she books it out of there and she is sobbing while she's driving back home. Oh, that's just a that's a that's a tough place to take over. Yeah, you've got to take it over from oh, act for okay. act three. All right, we're in the home stretch here. So yeah, like you said, Nicole drives home sobbing. She now knows what the audience knows. David's a piece of shit, like truly. And she comes home. She's greeted by the dog. And on her way up the stairs, she sees her dad is asleep holding the phone. He's got one of the wired ancient phones in his hand, and he obviously fell asleep waiting for her to call. Uh, when he wakes up the next morning, there's a letter from her taped to the door that says, Dear Dad, I'm sorry I caused you to worry. It's over. Love, Nicole. And I was like, yeah, love. Back when we didn't send texts and just taped pieces of paper to doors instead. I did the same thing. Uh, so Steve goes up to her room to comfort her. And she says she just wants to be left alone. He tells her that the pain will go away, honey, I promise. Um, feels like they're having... I mean, it's like he's giving – I don't know what else he can do right now, right? Like, he's probably doing the best thing he's done, which is like, sure, I'll leave you alone. Don't worry. This, like, heartbreak will pass. Uh, and her room is very 90s teenager. Like, pink bedding, posters of, like, boy bands, all that kind of good stuff. So she's back at school with Gary at lunch. And she's obviously in a sad mood, kind of talking with Gary. And then out of nowhere, as usual, David somehow has made his way into this fucking school again. And he comes up behind her, covers her eyes, and says, guess who? So she's, it's clear she hasn't talked to him yet. She gets up and is like, don't touch me. Somebody help me. She, like, really, truly makes the scene here. But at the same time, like, he is kind of an intruder in the school. Yeah, again, like, it makes no sense he that he can just get into the school. Yeah, so he is, like, totally caught off guard. Yeah. And Gary has to kind of come to the rescue and tell David, like, let her go, man. Like, get out of here. And for once, David is kind of just like, Okay, okay, because he's obviously not gonna. Yeah, there's go I mean, after he's, Gary again it's in, at, that at lunch, so it's the entire lunchroom is watching. Yeah, so it's very public. Um, and then we cut to a scene where Nicole is playing video games with Toby, her brother. It looks like Mortal Kombat, and that's another game that I liked. Uh, and Margot comes into the room and she's like, "Hey, Nicole, why aren't you taking my calls?" And Nicole tells her, "I'm busy, as you can see." And she's like, really snappy at her, of course. Um, and then Margot says this line to toby that's inappropriate that's like when are you gonna get old enough for me to ravish you and i was just like no margo no that's, no that's why, also unacceptable ravage you like oh my yeah God. you're saying that to a we don't know how old he is because we're bad at this but like we think he nine is 10. yeah okay. yeah nine or ten <laughs> like come on so this is also unacceptable um stop it margo and nicole's like go away so Margot asks, like, what's your problem? And so they go outside and they have this confrontation and things really start to pick up here. So Nicole is like, dude, the fact that you can stand there and act cool and fine as if nothing ever happened, that's what scares me the most about you, Margot. I don't know you and maybe I don't know anyone else for that matter. So she's obviously having this crisis of like, God, I trust people and then they're not who I thought they were. And she, she of course, is all she can go off of is what she saw. And while Margot was not the instigator of that, she's still connecting her to, like, 
this larger thing that's happened that's been like devastating for her and the fact that Margot didn't tell her. So Margot at first denies it, but then she eventually is like, how did you know? Did David tell you? And she's like, forget it. You're not a friend of mine. And she starts walking inside and Margot just like, this is heartbreaking. It's she so just heartbreaking. breaks down yeah. and she's like, please, he forced me to do it. Don't do this. I need you. And then she screams, you're my only friend. Yeah. And she says it in this way that's like, I just got goosebumps again when I said it. It's like, you can tell that she loves her so much and that she feels just totally lost and like Yeah, she was trying to act like this didn't happen. Was, she didn't want to hurt she Nicole. Didn't, yeah, she didn't mean for this to happen. Um, but she and, was raped by Nicole's and boyfriend. And she was raped, yeah. So she's like, I didn't, he, he did it to me. I didn't, I didn't instigate it. And she drives off and you see that Nicole kind of like, yeah, she's, think, she's kind of thinking and through it. And she's thinking through whether or not she wants to kind of, like, forgive her or, like, believe her. Yeah. the truth. Yeah. Which is, like, she wasn't having a good time. Like, she And was, I think Nicole could see that yeah, clearly. Yeah, she could see from, that. Yeah. She was just upset and needed to, like, vent and get that off of her chest, I think. So then we get to this very, very tense scene where Margot is driving on a windy road. She's crying. This is a very classic scene. David starts following her out of nowhere, comes up behind her in his car, and she flips him off when he pulls up next to her, and he's like, pull over. She flips him off. Now we're in an all-out car chase. He gets in the opposite lane. He keeps ramming her from the side. They're by the water. I'm terrified that she's going to fly off the cliff. Like, it's really scary. And then a car starts coming towards David in the opposite direction because he's obviously on the wrong side of the road. And Margot looks at him like, get over, duh. But he decides not to. He's like showing his dominance here. And he's like basically saying, I'm not going to get over unless she pulls over. So he's forcing her into pulling over. And she does so in the nick of time just for him to miss the car. I said she should have let him die. But then I was like, wait, never mind. The other car would have been fucked too. So, okay, fine. Good job, Margot. So she's crying. It's really sad. He comes over. He hits her. He calls her a lying whore and asks her what she said to Nicole. She tells him, like, I swear I didn't tell her. Somehow she knows. And he tells her, you better fix it. Make it right. If you don't, I'm going to hurt you. And then when he walks away, he says, don't cry. You fucking liked it. Oh, my God. I wanted to punch him in the face so bad in this scene and just shake him. And I wanted to hug Margot and, like, fucking take her out to ice cream. Yeah. This, <laughs> it's just like, this, this is fucking horrible. This whole scene is awful. I mean, the, the car, like, I don't know what to call it, chicken thing that yeah. he does with her yeah, yeah, is yeah. so scary. I think that's, again, something that we've seen in movies before, like, that's that continues to be just, like, really, really scary. You can put yourself in that situation mm-hmm. of, oh, my God, like, one of my worst fears. It's terrifying. And then just his personality changed, the way that he treats Margot. Oh, my God, yeah. And he's so contrite in, the, I think it's the next scene. It's so scary. He's really able to flip that switch and be so manipulative, and his, like, mask totally drops with Margot, with the druggy friends. Like, he's this very scary violent man but is able to be so manipulative and charming when he turns it on yes totally so I got caught up in that wow so David's on to damage control now that he knows okay Nicole knows uh he goes to the Walker house and rings the doorbell Mr. Walker answers he tells him he owes the entire so he tells Mr. Walker I owe your entire family an apology he's being very like polite version of david he's saying 
He thinks that everyone might understand after he explains. And Mr. Walker is, of course, not having it. He's like, I'm not interested in understanding you. I'm only interested in keeping you away from Nicole, and I'll do whatever it takes to accomplish that. So you hear him shut the door, and the keypad beeps. And I think to myself, like, oh, fuck. Like, this is going to come back into play. David walks away looking like he's got a plan B. So that's kind of a terrifying moment. And now we we cut to David in a bathroom giving himself a homemade fucking tattoo here's the scene this is like one of the other iconic scenes blood all over his chest he's like fucking cutting into himself sucking up ink and then just putting the ink in the in the homemade tattoo and he washes it off and it says nicole forever yeah for number four ever and i said what is this infatuation with his chest (laughs) Like, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, it's like symbolism. He has a very nice chest. He, he does. does not have any of the bruises that he would have given himself and would still be prevalent at this time. So that's a plot hole. Yeah. But yeah. it looks better, I guess, for the scene. This just, I mean, I know it's its very disturbing. Um, He doesn't end up ever showing Nicole this tattoo. Uh, I know. But. What it, a shame. It, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, its It really is, of course you know it's showing he's he's quite disturbed um he's a disturbed gentleman the forever is just it's funny it's so funny i mean i guess like you've only got so much ink and a big pen like he was doing what he could and and he was like character you know what this like actually really hurts (laughs) like i gotta cut this short or like this isn't gonna look the best over that section of my abs like nicole was in the chest area and then we as we got down to the four and eva it was like cutting across the six pack so he made also, a lot of choices but forever is implied so like forever is implied just when do you're nicole. tattooing yourself just nicole. so let's just say nicole that would have forever just makes it funny if he had just done nicole it would have been probably really creepy and scary but yeah the, the but forever, forever is so funny is good. it's for us i love it yeah so so he did that he yeah did he, that. he he gave himself a tattoo which is more dangerous than when you pierced your own ears, I will say. Oh, yes. So, yes, yes, yes. yes. I don't, a stick I don't and poke, condone Which I don't even tattoos. know if he technically did a stick and poke. He did a full-on, like, razor, shove some ink in there. It looks very uncomfortable. I would, yeah. I'm not a fan. So the next day, Nicole's dad drops her off at school. She sees Gary, and she tells him thanks for the other day, and she, like, gives him this hug on the steps. And we're looking at her from this – we're looking at them from this vantage point that clearly belongs to David. And then, yes, of course, we see David, and he's like – hiding behind a bush staring at them why is he at the school all the goddamn time yeah Um, he really is slacking on his other like whatever his life is his murderous other things with the dogs and yeah the drug the drug den den, whatever's going on so laura and toby come to pick up nicole from school and you kind of see this little goodbye where gary says goodbye to them and he starts walking home alone he has a very interesting walk home that takes him through a very secluded area of the woods. Why? Yeah. So, I forgot that this happened when I just is, watched it. This I is actually very completely upsetting. forgot. I remembered, of course, the beating up scenes, but I forgot this one. Yeah. So suddenly he's like going through the woods and it's very isolated, um, beautiful Seattle greenery, whatever. Suddenly, David is right next to him, and he's like, hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. (laughs) And it's so creepy, and I know that you already mentioned this to me. It is kind of like Twilight. It's almost like he's, like, so fast. He's, like, vampire speed. It's like those really funny scenes in Twilight where it's very poorly done to show how fast. Yeah, Edward's running where he's like, (laughs) spider monkey. Come on, spider monkey. 
<laughs> it is like that. Oh, it's exactly like that. He's like running so fast, like doing the fake arm thing yes, to like, catch up with Gary. <laughs> yeah. So they're in a they're in a full on chase now, and he's Twilight running. To catch he up. is Twilight running. So then he's like, "Hey, Gary, like, did you know that I grew up in a lot of different places?" And he starts naming prisons, and he's like, "Bridgewater, Rikers." Uh, you name it. You know what they have in common? And then he goes into this thing about walls. Yeah, He's talking the walls. about weak walls. Keeping him in. They keep him in. He said that this is why they moved him around so much because he'd break all the walls by pounding on them. Um, and then they'd keep moving him around to different prisons until finally they got sick of him and they let him out. And he said it's pretty useful as in his upbringing um, because there's always going to be walls and usually they're the moist, fleshy kind that try to get in his way. And then he's like, silly, silly people, though. They're only going to be knocked down. It's like this very strange little monologue yeah, that he gives. A, it's a whole speech. And Gary's like, looks fucking terrified. I know, terrified. Gary's like, oh, okay, I'm, <laughs> all right. I'm and then Gary the starts to run, but it is, there is no chance. Um, not with Gary's, his first of all, not fast, I guess. And David is like Edward Speed. Yeah. He's <laughs> so got David catches strength. up with him and like immediately snaps his neck and it's, horrible i do yeah i have i have the same thing this is a very scary scene but how exactly does he kill gary because he kind of tosses he's him like and then he like superhuman strength he sort of yanks him and bends him and then it we're supposed to think okay he just broke his neck i think yeah it's like he yanks him and then he just like and this also reminds me of twilight where yes. like the vampires kind of like breaking bodies and stuff and it's like uh, how'd you do that i don't know you tossed him a bit like a rag doll but okay yeah yeah. So that's so, it is sad. It's very scary and it's sad, but, it, but it's, it's also weird. There's and a funny bit of humor from how fast he was running and the speech and that he just kind of tosses him and that's how he dies. And I'll just never forget the like, hey, Gary. Like yeah. he's like so like, hey, Gary. Yeah. Like just ridiculous. Like I'm about to fucking kill you. And it's freaky. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Gary's dead. And back at work with Steve doing another important presentation about who the fuck knows what. Steve walks out to the garage with his coworkers, and oh man, David has made his rounds. So I don't know how David's kind of gotten around and done everything so he's quickly. He's busy. killing people. He's twilighting everywhere, um, and he he just beat the shit out of uh, out of the nice convertible that Mister Walker owns. So that like red nice, I don't even know what it is. Like Mercedes. yeah, it looks like an old nice car. Yeah, the windshield is just completely broken in and the whole thing is is definitely totaled and uh there's a note on it that's horrible Mm -hmm. that says now i've popped both your cherries yeah david's in his berserker stage he's just he's david's lost it he's just on another level now so mr walker is simultaneously pissed and wants to like get revenge um and he's also really concerned about his daughter of course so he calls Marco. i would say that was the right order in yeah <laughs> no it totally it's like oh fuck you i'm yeah. gonna get you back but then it's also like mm, i better check on nicole yeah so he calls margo and he's like where's nicole we don't really know what margo says but um he asks do you know where david mccall lives and so we're like oh fuck he's he's gonna go ham now too so now <laughs> we see David in the classic 90s slow-mo uh at the mall creepily watching Nicole um and he follows her to the bathroom and the music is like heightened as he's following her into the bathroom and it is so creepy and horrible and uh the music stops abruptly when he finds her and he's like comes face to face with her in the stall and he's like you've got to listen to me 
You got to know the real me. It's not what I say. It's not the way you see me acting. It's it's not here. And then he like reaches under her skirt and he goes, it's here. Mm-hmm. So you he tells her it. to stop thinking with her brain and start thinking with yep. her vagina. Yep. He goes, <laughs> it's here. You know it. Your daddy knows it. Ew. <laughs> and that's why he's trying to keep us apart. They're all trying to keep us apart. Oh, They're my God. They're just jealous. Oh, my God, David. Fuck off. And like- get out of here. Oh, and he has like a hand clasped over her mouth, and so she—it's a very scary scene. I don't mean crying. to downplay that. The this is this is super terrifying. He's escalating to assaulting her in public. Mm-hmm. It's just that he, his thinking that he it's going to 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 somehow win her over to, to be, be like, like stop th- listening to what I say, stop listen seeing what I do and getting mad at me about it. Just think about if you think I'm hot. Yeah, I'm hot. That's all that matters. And your dad knows I'm hot. Come on. Yeah, it's your ridiculous. dad knows that you're mine and you're my property yeah. and that you lost your virginity to me, so you're mine. It's just yeah. Ugh, he kisses her. He says he loves her, but he walks away when he hears someone come in. And poor Nicole. Poor Nicole. She's in tears uh she comes out of the stall and there's this like librarian looking woman in like a gray pantsuit that's just like huh? i know uh what she and nicole's into? like help like she's like obviously very very upset so then we cut to mr walker and he is indeed breaking into david's house to get his sweet sweet revenge he's not thinking about how this is going to affect his family he's just going to the house looking to destroy some shit he grabs a pool stick um, he kicks open a door. He's being an aggressive dude. And then he finds a bunch of weird shit. He um, finds the shrine. He finds the shrine of things for Nicole. So there's like a mantle with some really gross like baby dolls and weird shit There's on a it. Chucky doll. Yeah, there's a Chucky doll. And then there's a box and it has Nicole's underwear in it. Which he holds for too long. Yep. He oh fondles. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Ugh. He's hanging on to them for just just pick them up and put them aside look at the other items so gross and then uh the bracelet no longer says daddy's girl it says david's girl yeah so he's the most mad about this he's so mad he is so mad also david has so much time to be scratching shit into things his body these bracelets yep oh and then the picture there's like a picture he photoshopped he photoshopped himself into a picture which i gotta say with the family he did a better photoshop job than, than angelina, angelina joey's family agreed. did in agreed. the bone collector We're on the same page with yeah. that it looks pretty good yeah so he finds the shrine um <laughs> the dad is fucking pissed and he knocks everything off the mantle and trashes the place yeah i missed this or i didn't miss it but i didn't realize that he had like full-on trash they don't show him fully trash yeah it. it's just, it's when, just the mantle and then when they come back home when the gang comes back in they like, see that the, up it is. yeah i can't believe he did this it's so like it's so immature it's so childish it's such a strange reaction to have of like i'm gonna trash and already this place is already a piece of shit trashed drug den yeah like, it's not like it's like a nice upstanding house so i think that's why i was confused when i watched it before of like this looks the same to me but uh, i know yeah but yeah so he it, it just that that's so frustrating that he did that he was not thinking of oh, they could extract revenge now on exact revenge on my family and like no he's only thinking about himself yeah he's that this made him selfish. mad he has my daughter's underwear and he scratched he's not acting david's girl into the bracelet it's like yes that's creepy why don't you call the police yeah call them now call them five minutes ago call them an hour ago I why don't, are you here? or even like i don't know if, you, if you'd rather solve this some other way but just trashing shit is not going to do anything other than like satisfy your anger that you and adrenaline that you needed to take out on his piece of shit leather couch like it's just 
No, it's so stupid. You're right. And it's like... I hate it. He... And that that's the inciting incident then that makes this gang be like, yep. yeah, we need to get back at them an eye for an eye. Totally. That's what so I know we're about to get into that. Off. This but, is the ending yeah. of the movie. But like, yeah, it's all basically he needed some sort of selfish act that was totally all about him getting revenge on his property, about his car, his daughter being like under attack by this man who's trying to take them away. And so he puts his family in danger by trying to enact this yeah, revenge. Yeah, he wanted to yeah. trash the house. So David arrives home with his boys and finds the house trashed. Everyone's pissed. They're looking at each other like, oh, someone's going to fucking get it. And they're like, who the fuck did this? Who knows who did this? We'll kill them. And David's like, I know who did this. And they're like, okay, well, let's go pay them a visit then. So this is how we kick off the, like you said, the climax of the movie so now we've really escalated the family knows david is at least somewhat dangerous they don't know how much yet but they do know that he um obviously gave nicole the black eye beat up gary uh beat up the car like these are the things that they know assaulted her in the bathroom and dad is finally on the phone with the cops uh or a lawyer or someone he is upset that apparently david assaulting his daughter in the public bathroom wasn't enough um for whatever it was he was trying to do, probably to get um, some kind of a uh, restraining order. And that's not working out. Meanwhile, David, Logan, and the gang pull up to the house, and they're talking about an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. David does tell them, remember, Nicole ain't part of this game. So the doorbell rings, and we assume it's David, but it's actually Margot. She comes inside, and she tells Laura and the family that Gary is dead and that he was beaten to death. And I said, is it just me or does Nicole not look quite sad enough here? No one was sad enough. I was like, uh, what? This is extremely sad. She's just like, oh. And you guys know it was David that did that. Yeah. So this is very, they they gloss over that really quickly. Yeah, poor Gary is just, he barely gets a second in this. And also, I mean, I know they said beat to death, but like we thought maybe snapped his neck. So I don't know if there was more that went on after. Anyway, yeah. Gary does not get it. Gary's death is Gary just. gets no memorial in this None, moment. because we are on to the next. Yeah. Oh, no. So in, in these scenes, we're kind of cutting back and forth between the gang outside and the family inside. And back outside with the gang, Kaiser the dog is there. Sweet baby Kaiser. Poor Kaiser. And... Um, David and Logan and whoever is like, come here, boy, come here. And then he's such a good boy. You see, what a good boy. You see him run off towards them. And yeah, he trots. It's perfect. And then he just exits the scene. And so you know that he went to go to them. Yep. So um, meanwhile, Mr. Walker's on the phone saying, okay, fine. It's not an emergency, but can I please talk to the people who try and solve murders? (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was funny. And I was like, finally, he's getting through to somebody. A cab. Um, And then poor sweet Toby is blowing the whistle for Kaiser. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I can't. Ah. I know we're getting to this scene. And I can't. I can't. Okay. So he's blowing the whistle for Kaiser, just like the beginning of the movie, where, you know, as we all remember, Kaiser came through the dog door. Um, And this time, he comes through the dog door as well. But it's just his head. And his head is (laughs) cut off from his body and kaiser is dead this is the worst dog death of this any movie ever horrible oh it it's horrible so bloody and gross and it looks real kind of it does in look a weird real way it does look real his tongue is sticking out his tongue and he's decapitated and he's so bloody and it's so fucking disturbing also like obviously of course you think about like 
what they what did. What that would look like. Yeah. Like, and how it would feel. Yeah. Oh, my God. Stop, stop. Okay, but wait. No. I've already told myself no. a story that is they actually just, like, I'm going to start crying. Him. Okay. They quietly shot him. Quietly? And then as, <laughs> yeah, like, with a little silencer. Because, you know, they're trying to, like, be undercover. They shot him. Mm-hmm. He had a very peaceful death. And then they did that as, like, a trophy. Uh, okay because it'd be like really hard to get away with stop. doing that i'm just saying okay okay we're moving on stop okay it's so much worse it's actually worse than i remember it's really bad and i was, I was actually like, gonna okay. try to pot like i was gonna i know look away same but, but I, I, it comes so fast yeah and i said okay we're watching this movie for the podcast i should i should watch it but then i watched it and i'm like well now i'm not gonna be able to get this image out. i immediately had to go kiss my dog as i yeah, do for course. like every time i see a dog scene i'm just like oh, i'm so sorry yeah, it's pretty fucking oh awful. God. It's yeah, it's really, really bad. And I know this is a device that movies use to make you feel bad and and further villainize the villains. But they're pretty they're they're pretty big villains already. And this is like just it's so it. incredibly disturbing. I would like to start oh, a protest. And then also Laura is trying to like clean it up. Or yeah, something, and she's oh, so and bloody. Toby's just like Toby shocked. Poor Toby. This he, is the character development we get. Toby is, is just fucked. trauma. Toby yeah. has been like my stepdad didn't show up to, or my dad didn't show up to my game and he's a womanizer and now my dog's head just came through the dog door after I've taught him this whistle trick and here we fucking go because yeah, more said, shit. Poor Toby's going to be fucked for the rest of his life. I like that you called him Tobias at one point. You used his his birth name. His birth. <laughs> they put someone called him Tobias at some point. It's OK. I called Logan Toby. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. OK, moving on. Kaiser is dead, but it's OK because Kaiser is now in doggy heaven somewhere oh. and he <laughs> somehow really went peacefully. OK. OK. Uh, OK. So Laura is. Um, oh, 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 oh. So this is when Mr. Walker realizes the phone is dead. So yep. they're cut off from society now. Because, of course. Like mm-hmm. they They've cut, cut the, the power. Lines, yeah. Or they cut the power. And then one of the creeps, like a blonde one, um, puts his face through the dog door and says, you're next, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you So fuck. menacing. So scary. And it's really scary. It's actually terrifying because it's like. It's a very home, scary home invasion. home is being yeah, which invaded is, by the. It's getting worse and worse by the second. Yep. And so this kind of all happens very quickly. Um, yeah. But basically, Laura, Mrs. Walker, is trying to alert security uh, through their, like, security system. And uh, she wants to basically get Larry, their home security guy, uh, who works up at the gate or whatever, to come. But Steve is telling her that it's actually connected to the phone line, so it's not going to work. And she's like, well, nobody's getting in here. You designed it this way, remember? No entry without the code. And then... Reese Witherspoon's face when she realizes she is like dad David's got the code this is scary too this is terrifying this moment all their facial reactions it's like they all go to like Mm -hmm. they pan to each face and it's like almost we've forgotten Gary's death we've forgotten Kaiser's death we are now like I mean understandably so I guess they're worried for their lives we're in emergency mode there are people breaking into the house David has the code yep so David does have the code and you hear him dialing four numbers slowly as Steve runs towards the door (laughs) slow motion slow-mo slams it and like relocks it and then you just see david through the peephole with like magnified i actually love this <laughs> me too and he's like mr walker this all could have been different she sh- you should have allowed nature to take its course it will in the now. end it will anyway and then he just goes so let me in the fucking house i love this i love that he scene yells it and his face just turns and like contorts and it's actually really good. I think it's so ridiculous but so scary. That line was going to be cut and 
Mark Wahlberg insisted that it was going to be in the movie. Yeah. And he does it, and it's really scary. He's like, so let me in the fucking house. Let me in the fucking house. house. And it's, like, his face really close, like, uh, fisheye, like, lens. To and the- it also shows, like, the contrast in his personality. Mm-hmm. He can be, like, the sweet-talking guy, and then he can turn into a monster. Yeah. I mean, either way, he's a monster. But, yeah. It's great. It's great. There's a moment of silence where the family plus Margo all look at each other, and then chaos banging pounding the boys the the gang they're all over the house um they're trying to get in in every way that they possibly can so they're just being attacked um and mr walker is like go upstairs guys turn off all the lights then we see david in classic slow-mo walking outside as the drums and the gong starts back up and it's like you know really intense uh kids are in the room parents are downstairs then we hear a power drill and uh glass is broken they're using the power drill to get into the house uh as they start to kind of get inside and logan actually calls out an eye for an eye mr walker hey you fuck up my house i'll fuck up yours (laughs) and this is when laura realizes like you fucking idiot yeah and she looks at him and is like steven and he's like steven steven and he's just like like he looks all like sheepish because she's obviously it's his fault i mean it's not his fault that like everything happened but this is his fault so margo is freaking out in the bedroom rightfully so being like they're gonna kill us toby sees a shadow through the curtains of the window and then he's like nicole and it's so sad poor toby and then margo screams at the top of her lungs and it's creepy as fuck and nicole uses an umbrella to poke logan or whoever guy it was off the window ledge and he like lands in the yard yeah good use of an umbrella that was randomly in yeah okay nice seattle sure furniture is flying everywhere in the house because they're trying to block the doors any way they can so like the the mr and mrs walker just Putting furniture in front of doors. Um, Random sharp objects are being shoved through walls and doors. Parents are trying to block all remaining entry points. Now we finally see Larry looking at the surveillance footage of the house on the lake from his, like, little vantage point view. And he sees the lights turning, like, flickering on and off at the house. So he calls the house. Here's the number's been disconnected. Now he's finally on the case. He grabs his keys. Yay, Larry. So uh, Mrs. Walker is blocking the door with furniture as they try to get in, and she sees the power drill. (laughs) So this is amazing. She grabs the power drill and drills one of the guy's hands Mm -hmm. uh, with the drill as he's trying to unlock the door. So the guys are kind of having this conversation outside after this, like, oh, my God, man, like, I got to go to the hospital. This gig is tired. So it kind of feels like, okay, are they going to finally They're like wrapping it up, yeah. They're like, okay, wrap it up, wrap it up. And they all leave. For as, as much as we know, at least, other than, than David. So Larry arrives. I said, yay, but oh no. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Marky Mark turns into polite David again. And he's like, sure, I think there's some confusion. I was just visiting my girlfriend. But smart Larry still is like, no, put your hands on the hood. Right, right, right. Whatever you say. So uh, he puts his hands on the hood. And then Logan pops out of nowhere. And... Luckily, Larry manages to, like, get the better of them and has, like, two guns. Yeah, he's like, shoot him up. Like, a very, like, western Yeah, Yeah. He, like, points him at them. Uh, And and then Steve walks out of the house, like, casually, which I'm like, oh, you guys, this was a horrible strategy. And Larry's like, do you know these fuckers? And he's just like, oh, yeah, like, 
they're not supposed to be here. Like, fuck these guys. And then he beats the shit out of Logan. Like, he just, like, knocks, he, like, him, knocks out. him out. Yeah. Because he doesn't beat him up. He just, like, literally knocks him, him out. Um, at that same time, we realize one of the other tool bags is still there. He shoots Larry. Yeah, he shoots Larry. Like, he's standing behind Larry. So he shoots him through the back, like, yep. through the chest. And then Logan gets up because he was, like, not that hurt by... <laughs> His what Mr. Walker did David's and returns the punch. favor yeah. and like kicks the shit out of Mr. Walker. So Steve gets handcuffed with Laura and it's escalating now that Larry's dead. We are can only hope that all these people make it out alive, but it seems unlikely at this point. Like feels like someone's yeah, probably going to die. Escalated. And then little Toby offers to climb out the window. Yeah, he says, I he's can so fit. brave. Yeah. Um, he says that he can go get the car phone in mm-hmm. Laura's car, which is this very, all now very hinges smart. on a car phone, which is yes. so 90s. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. So Logan comes in and we think this is Margo's moment. He's um, starting to like attack Nicole. Nicole. Mm-hmm. So Margo goes after him and she jumps on his back. But unfortunately, she's like not really strong enough to make that much of an impact. And so he starts to beat her up and it's pretty horrible. Then we're outside and Toby has successfully gotten into the car with the car phone. And then he runs over the like other douchebag tool yes. guy, the one that shot Larry. Well, he realizes that he can't can't use the car phone unless the car's on ah, so he yes. has to turn the car on and then when he does that it alerts the guy with the gun that shot larry mm-hmm. that someone's trying to turn on the car someone's trying to escape so he comes so out he comes out he yep. shoots out the window and poor little toby has to lean his head against the steering wheel not to get shot and i think when he does that like so, i don't know some sort of thing happens where he he backs up yeah and he runs over and the, the body gun. crunches yeah. actually the caption says body crunching yeah and toby. i will say that toby in this moment <laughs> toby does to not care no remorse no 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 he's like sick yeah. okay and then he dies <laughs> he dies nine one one. he's like cool two birds with one stone killed yep. that guy all right you ripped off my dog's head so yeah, fuck sick. you dude yeah um but toby the trauma he's just now murdered someone yeah and he's like cool vehicular What's manslaughter next? and he's like gotta get back inside okay okay let me call the cops yeah uh so go back inside um now we're just again with the rest of the family minus toby who's taking care of business outside mm-hmm. yeah toby's getting it done and there's this gross thing where um where david's with nicole and with the dad who's handcuffed and he's like time to give away the bride yeah so the dad has managed to like scooch upstairs yes to the room where nicole and uh toby was and um Alyssa milano margo um and yeah, not this this scene is very oh my god. He has like the whole speech. Yeah, like most girls cry on their wedding day, and yep. he's holding the gun to the dad's head. It's like you really don't know what's gonna happen here. No, I was kept thinking because it looks like he's about to pull the trigger. He's about so to pull the trigger. Times, yeah, and he's like, say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Like he says that multiple times. And Nicole, so, we have to be together. Like yeah, well, yeah. Obviously, this is what, what else wanted. would you want me to do? Yeah, and like it's like obvious to him. Like he's back in that moment of like, oh yeah, of course I had to beat up. Gary. Yeah, give your dad one last kiss. It's always hard to, for fathers to give their daughter away. Yeah, this yeah. is. It's just this whole like metaphor. Mm-hmm an analogy of like actually getting married but like yeah really, but like i'm gonna murder dad. your dad and then we can but also get it's out of like here. i guess you're supposed to kind of think of it as like marriage is like you're ending your relationship with your father and oh, your gross. husband's yeah, I guess. taking over it's so fucked marriage and traditions between men and women are so fucked up yeah and like 
relationships between fathers and daughters historically so fucked up this movie is all of that together Mm -hmm. in like the most obvious and explicit way and i hate it yep yeah so he's like doing this whole like you said this speech and we keep thinking he's gonna kill him we're not positive and we're hoping that nicole will do something and like get the better of him at this point also when when david came up into the room first he just fucking shot logan in the head Oh, my God. Like, Logan was kind of tussling with Nicole after he had taken out Oh, yes, Marco. because, yes, and so he was protecting yeah. Nicole. So the only casualty in this scene is his friend Logan. He walks up, and he just straight clocks him in the head, yep. shoots him once, and it's just like, oh, oh okay, you're just disposing of yeah. him, truly. and it's, like, it's kind of crazy because, like, he didn't get rid of the dad that fast. No. But, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this, Toby has had to go outside. Get the handcuff keys off of the dead body. Yep. Does not hesitate. Come back in, unlocks his mom, and the mom is going climbing up the stairs yes. to try to help the dad. Yep. Thank you for the teamwork on these last 10 minutes of this movie. Um, my oh, notes it's get a lot. A shoddy. It, it's a so, lot. We're almost done. Yep. So obviously, we're waiting to find out if this is, if, if uh, Mr. Walker's going to die or not. And I'm like, come on, Nicole, do something. Or like, Laura, do something. Somebody do something, right? Finally. As he, I'm trying to remember if he stands up or he turns away from her. He turns away. He's, He's like, like with, oh, because the dad gets out of the handcuffs. Yeah. So they're in this like tussle. They're, they're fighting. They're, they're fighting and they're kind of going back and forth. And so finally, Nicole grabs the peace pipe that mm-hmm. he that he won her at the fucking carnival. And she stabs him through the back. Yep. He still has like insane strength. He just seems kind of annoyed that he, he got really stabbed in the back. He really like, He's like, oh, ugh, okay. Um, and, he's and then just he just gets up. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, like pissed. Wow. How could you? Yeah, and so then, yeah, Stephen and him are fighting. And did you notice in this part, it feels metaphorical to me, Nicole's, like, standing with her back against the wall, and Stephen and David are fighting, but they're fighting in a way to get to her. Like, they're, like, oh, I didn't one is in that. front, then the other one is front, and they're both trying to, like, get oh, to her. Such it a good feels note. very metaphorical in yeah. that last, like, moment of struggle that yep. they're like both who's trying gonna to get just, like, reach her. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's going to who's gonna get to her. Also, there's a plot hole here because the, the placement of his wound and the size – and the severity changes scene oh, to it. scene. <laughs> Honestly, it's it fine. feels it's like bloody. she barely actually did anything, but yeah. it was enough she for tried. him to like not. He actually try. Have a note that he tries to um. He tries to Gary him. <laughs> he tries to snap his neck mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Yeah. Um. At least the dad is like strong enough to hold his own, kind of. And then this is very unrealistic. Mr. Walker throws. <laughs> throws david out the window with the insane sudden strength Mm -hmm. of another twilight vampire yeah and just chucks him chucks him out the window and he lands satisfyingly Mm -hmm. on a rock right before the lake so like he doesn't go into the lake he literally is just slam body to cliff his body's like kind of contorted he's very obviously dead I thought, oh, his eyes are going to open at the last mm-hmm. minute, but they didn't. No, thankfully that was not one of the tropes so of this, yes. this movie. Yeah. He has tossed him out the window. He's dead. Yep. So the end of this movie is literally... It's the n- credits. It's Nicole hugging her dad. Yep. Yay, she respects him again, or she respects <laughs> him at all. Laura, Margo, and the brother come in one after another, like little bobbleheads. It's mm-hmm. like cute. And then the movie ends and there's credits. Yep. And then we just like, as the credits roll, we see that David's being taken away in a hearse and we zoom out from the house and bye-bye. We have watched Fear. Yep. We've done Fear. Okay. Oh my gosh. What did you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I wasn't even prepared somehow for you to ask me that. Um, oh no. Okay. What was, did you enjoy it? Enjoy is a strong word, but 
I, were you entertained? I was entertained. There I was absolutely entertained. Were you not entertained? I know. I was just thinking that. Were you not entertained? <laughs> I was entertained. I thought that, I mean, I think I told you, I gasped like six times. I, I was absolutely having like jump scare reactions mm-hmm. to several of the scenes. Even though I did see it about a year ago, I just wasn't paying close enough attention. So <laughs> Michael's walking around the like kitchen and he just keeps hearing me be like, oh my God, no. So like, yes, I got what you're supposed to get out of a thriller. Like yeah. I felt scared. I felt mad. I felt pissed it I just there are more words than scared mad and pissed but I felt all of those things and I also just in general think that like the movie itself wasn't very good at at really making taking any kind of stance on like being a teenage girl and like what women go through with like kind of such a strong violent and like really yeah like patriarchy involved and like the kind of aggressions of men on like young women and also how those play into women as well the stepmom and and Margot kind of emulating that it was a crazy movie I'll give it that it was an entertaining crazy movie it's not going to make my top 10 but I am forever changed yeah I think so I'm going to read a section from that site that I mentioned earlier father's son holy gore again I'm definitely going to be perusing this site because I love the title fear touches on sensitive issues about women and girls regarding how they're treated by the men in their lives the movie begins with david figuratively invading the family and the father's home ending with a literal and brutal home invasion on the family yeah ultimately steve saves his daughter and his family so he's the savior but the message of the story suggests his earlier actions in his role as the patriarch slash oppressor are partly what caused the later violent climax and finale If Steve were not so adamant on the control of his patriarchal position, if he were able to see his daughter, Nicole, as a subject rather than an object, there's a good chance the tense fight between him and David would have never gone so far. Steve's pride plays a large part in why he and David escalate into madness, further illustrating them as parallel views of different types of men. That is perfect to me. Like, I don't know that the movie intended to do any of that, but... That's what I mean. Like, that's... You're completely right. That encapsulates our thoughts on the movie. But I don't know that the movie was trying to do No, that. I think it was trying to be a fun fucking thriller. Yeah. With, uh, like, with like males putting so much of their own energy and bias and, like, aggression yeah. into the script and, and into I the direction. And I think it was supposed to be, like, a father knows best. Yeah, oh, and it, it was definitely true was that. Yeah. Sort of thing. And, like, oh, these weird norms where fathers are like involved in their daughter's virginity is normal they should be concerned about that because look what happens yeah like this is what it's kind of like a conservative it is thriller where it's like preying on the fears of yeah of fathers and also probably making it worse not better It's so icky. It's really gross. But thank you for watching it. And I do have some movie, movie trivia um, yes. that we didn't get to when we were talking through it. There were a couple of things that just came up naturally. Okay. But the movie was initially conceived as a teenage version of Fatal Attraction, which feels very true. Wow, um, that's crazy. According so many to the people producer. tried to emulate Fatal Attraction. Yeah. And no one quite did it. I mean, this is, no. very, this is quite different, but... Uh, that was according to the producer Brian Grazer. It was also somewhat inspired by a 1993 Bollywood movie also titled Fear. Interesting. Leonardo DiCaprio personally recommended Mark Wahlberg to director James Foley after working with him on Basketball Diaries. Ew. I know. 
white males supporting white males. Um, initially, Mark Wahlberg wasn't taken seriously as a contender for the role of David, <laughs> but James Foley agreed to let him audition for one of the gang members. And since they don't have enough lines, he wound up reading David's lines. He's attractive enough to be the love interest, but I also am trying to picture him as a gang member, and I don't know. He could have been. But he could have yeah. been one. David's line, let me in the fucking house, like we said, was origin- originally cut out by Foley, but, oh, I'm sorry, it was Brian Grazer who insisted on it being included, mm. and it obviously wound up being and one Brian of the And Brian Grazer was the producer. He was the producer, yes. Okay. Despite very negative reviews when it came out, it mm-hmm. was still a box office success, grossing $20.8 million on a $6.5 million budget. Wow, what a return on investment. It does have a 45% Rotten Tomatoes rating. It's funny that all it doesn't matter how well something is scored on Rotten Tomatoes, that doesn't dictate how it does at the box office whatsoever. No. Because Dead Calm was the highest reviewed movie we've watched by critics, and it did the worst in the box office. Yeah. Uh, Fear's reputation has obviously gotten better. It's become something of a cult classic. That's why we're talking about it today. And many look back and admire the performances of a very young Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, which I honestly would agree. I think they both had standout performances here. Mm -hmm. The script was great at some parts very cheesy yeah overall it was a heavy-handed thriller but again i think mark Wahlberg playing himself as a maniacal murderous asshole he soundtracked it himself he did a great job well speaking of the soundtrack Mm -hmm. the movie score was composed by carter burwell who would go on to compose the score of twilight oh my god i know wow parallels True Grit, Seven Psychopaths, and Thor, The Dark World. Interesting. Okay. Well, the this was a very, like, classic soundtrack mm-hmm. where every song was reminiscent of the time period and well-paced with yeah, the Yeah, there was some bush. I can't remember if there was Soundgarden. Yeah. But it sounded like there it was. It felt like there was, like, some Creed or something going <laughs> on in there for sure. Yeah. I love Creed. Um, Mark Wahlberg was nominated for Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards, but he oh. ended up losing to Jim Carrey from the cable guy and it was rumored that reese and mark were dating romantically or they were romantically linked at the time but neither was ever confirmed so or neither ever confirmed if they were dating so and then reese actually started dating ryan Philippi the next year she met him at her 21st birthday which was in 1997 oh my so, god yeah. the classic like there's such a classic pairing yeah because it's like reese Brian Phillippe, then there was Freddie Prince Jr., yeah, Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller, mm-hmm. and then they were all in like Cruel Intentions. I yeah. know we did last summer, like so many of those mm-hmm. teen heartthrobs. Yeah, we could do a whole episode just on like teen heartthrobs and all of the connections between them. Yeah. So we did it. We watched Fear. Thank you so much for watching it. I'm glad that we split it up that time because that one was a lot. This is actually our longest recording <laughs> oh, so far. No. I did not expect this. We had a lot to talk about. This was a big one. We did. And we haven't even decided on our movie for next I've decided. week. So it, oh, you did? I've decided, yeah. Oh, my God. What am I watching? Okay, I guess it's going to actually be a surprise. It is a surprise. I don't know. Okay, you're going to be watching Sleeping with the Enemy. Okay, okay. <laughs> you did write me a card recently, and you wrote in it, Laura. You'll understand this once you watch Sleeping with the Enemy. Yes, so, okay. you will. You just, a bit of a even though you haven't watched it, you obviously have seen the clip. Because I've you watched did 20 minutes. Yes, as you're, I do. Oh essential 20 minutes and then turn mm-hmm. it off and so i know a bit i think we're on a boat again are we back so on we're a boat? not completely on a boat in this one but there is a fancy house on the beach uh, or a lake house or yeah it's a lake house and then there is a boat and okay. the boat has a very prominent scene that okay. happens on it 
It is available to stream somewhere, I'm sure. If not, don't worry. We'll be taking you through it step yeah, by we'll step. Yeah, we'll tell you all the details in longer than it takes to watch the movie. Yeah, really selling this. 